0: Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved.
1: Episode 1329, air date September 27th, 2023. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the second GOP debate of 2023. Uh, today, we'll be joined by Dr. Shiva, who will be answering uh, the GOP debate questions. And uh, so Hi, here's Dr. How are Shiva. you?
0: Welcome, welcome, everyone. This is Dr. Shiva Iyadira. As many of you know, uh, they try to make our campaign invisible, uh, which is very difficult to do. So we are actually participating in this GOP debate virtually with Chris Bradley, our anchor, uh, who will be answering uh, asking questions of me, which will be direct live fed from the questions that are in parallel going on.
1: All righty. And with that, let's get started with the very first question. Voters say they find politics exhausting. Poverty is up, home prices are skyrocketing. Voters say they want someone who has their back. Joe Biden recently visited striking auto workers on the picket line. What would you do to provide leadership and help workers?
0: First of all, Chris, everyone needs to understand no one has a back of everyday working people because none of them come from those people. All of them are part of the swarm. I'm the only one who's qualified to run for president and comes from below bottoms up. Joe Biden going to the UAW workers is basically a bunch of wolves hanging out together. We know the UAW leadership has always uh, backstabbed the working uh, people, particularly the UAW workers themselves. Otherwise Detroit would not be in the disaster that it is. So a Joe Biden going hanging around or as a photo opportunity with UAW leadership, it means nothing. What it does mean is that, Over the last 70 years, particularly starting in 1970 till today, nearly $47 trillion in wealth has been transferred transferred from the first and second income quartiles of working people up to the elites. And that was done by Republican and Democrat, and every scumbag on the debate stage was involved in that, and every Democrat also. The only way out of it is for people to elect one of us, bottoms up. But more importantly than forget voting and electing, we need to build a bottoms up movement and that's why we have the Truth for the Health movement that everyone should participate in. Thank you. That was 60 seconds.
1: Yes, it was. Uh, so uh, when you say all this money that was transferred upward uh, into the upper class, uh, some people might, might wonder, well, how do you, how do you intend to uh, bring that money to the people? Or how, how, how do you uh, plan to spend that money uh, on, uh, on infrastructure? Or how do you plan to spend it?
0: Yeah, so let's talk about that, Chris. Look, um, I think this is a follow-on, I assume, to this question, right? First of all, people need to understand that between 1900 to 1970, um, because of the explosive bottoms-up movements, every income quartile in the United States grew with GDP. But since 1970 till today, because of the fact that the Republicans and Democrats have defecated, literally defecated, on the working people. What we have is a transfer of wealth of about $47 trillion. And all the infrastructure that should be public infrastructure has been transferred to the elites. So in the first 100 days in office, uh, I will expropriate all the infrastructure of big tech companies from Amazon to Google to YouTube to Facebook to Twitter and give this back to the people. This infrastructure was created by the people and we don't want to do some little tweaks like elizabeth warren and other fools have talked about all of this property should be expropriated put into a public stock which every citizen can participate in which no um, no more than uh, no person can own more than 1% of all of that essentially all of this should become a public utility owned by the people for the people period
1: some people hear words like that and they think that you are uh, going after the rich. What do you say to those
0: people? We're going after the 0.001%, who frankly are the people who've made their wealth through absolute exploitation of you know uh, the other 8 billion people. But we'll also do another thing, Chris, all those people are US citizens who are actually capable of working, fully working, fully functional, but we're living off subsidies and welfare. Uh, we will remove their citizenship too. Um, you know, there's a very famous thing in the Bible which said, which says that those who do not work shall not be fed. And we got to follow this policy, whether it's on both extremes, upper, uh, the upper class who are not working, in the lumpen proletariat. Both of them have a day of reckoning coming because uh, people like Jeff Bezos. If you think about what he's actually doing, all of the infrastructure that he's created was done on the backs of working people. And it's time that you know, how many yachts does he need? How many you know horse faced women does he need to bang all day and show that he's a man? When when you really look at this guy, uh, he has literally. If you look, go to a Whole Foods. The amount of wage difference between the average worker at Whole Foods and someone like Jeff Bezos. There's no reason for this kind of massive income ratio we- wealth. There's no reason for it. So he's made enough money, and all of these public, in- all of these infrastructures, tech infrastructures should be owned by the public.
1: Very, very interesting. So we'll, we'll move on to the next question here. Uh, Vivek says he really emphasizes, uh, empathizes with the strikers, but not the union bosses. Do you agree with him or do you think he's wrong?
0: Well, what Vivek is doing is he's literally watching everything I say and he's cut and pasting it. Anything out of this idiot's mouth, no one should believe. Um, you should actually go look at his history. This guy comes from a uh, rich and uh, disgraceful history of being always on the side of the swarm. Anything They literally brought this guy Vivek the Snake and this brown-nosed Big Farmer Brahmin, because they saw this image, this visage of a brown-skinned Indian guy, who is truly, you know, someone who his entire life has been fighting the swarm and fighting injustice. So they literally created this character, literally out of thin air, to repeat everything I say, but behind his words, there's nothing, okay? So it doesn't matter what he says, whether he's saying something that sounds good or doesn't sound good, you just need to go look at the history of this fool. He is part of the swarm, and if anything, this guy should get into a boxing rink with me because there's nothing to debate with this fool because you can look at his entire history. He was for VAX mandates. He was for mask mandates. He created the infrastructure to surveil all of us, Uh, His mother, him, and his brother literally uh, pushed useless drugs, created data to take companies public based on um, drugs that they got from a big pharma company, which was actually a failed drug, and then try to push it. Whatever he says, you should recognize you're you're seeing a complete uh, car salesman, a used car salesman. So anything out of his mouth, forget what he says. It doesn't matter what he says. Look at his actions. This guy's a complete disgraceful car salesman. That's all he is. And he was created to attempt to put in the front of the American people another brown face, you know, talking anti-establishment rhetoric, but being fully part of the Yale-Harvard establishment. That's who he is.
1: So so let's take a step back from the person, Vivek, and and look at the the point here. Uh, Do you agree with the point that the strikers uh, have, have a just cause to be striking, but the union bosses themselves, uh, they also have a day of reckoning coming.
0: Yeah, look, this has been the policy I've talked about for nearly 40 years of my life. You, know, you can go look back at the speeches I gave back in 1984 about this, okay? Um, you know, I organized the ground workers at the MIT Food Service Union to get a fair wage when their own union was selling them out. It's very important to understand it's what we did on the ground. So this is this is nothing, this is nothing, you know, some epiphany, okay? You have to be a moron if you don't see this. Everyone knows about this. The issue is what did you do? Have you actually been on the ground mobilizing working people to uh, create a movement by the people for the people? That's what our movement is for Truth, Freedom Health. It is actually a global union of workers of all different backgrounds who are learning system science to shatter the swarm. So the bottom line is. That starting in the 1950s to the 1970s, all of the unions were taken over by Brahmins like Vivek, OK, like Brahmins, like the Kennedys, like Brahmins, like the union bosses. In fact, he's part of the problem. All right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, th- this obvious issue is what did you do? OK, what did you do actually on the ground? Uh, Let's talk, more action. I love it. Well, t- action is the only thing. And when are you talking about this? Were you talking about this in the 1980s? Were you talking about this in the 1990s? Did you do anything where you were at Yale to helping organize the workers, the custodial workers at Yale? Did you do anything to, when you were at Harvard as a biology student, when the workers there were organizing? What did you actually do on the ground? That's what needs to be asked. I mean, when I was at MIT, I was organizing the students and working people against the MIT administration. There were many, many worker strikes at Yale and Harvard. I don't think this guy was ever on the side of the working people then. So what did he do? These are just talking points. Someone told him to say because they've been watching our videos.
1: Agreed. Agreed. Let's move on to the next question. Uh, Together, the CEOs of General Motors, Ford, and Stellantis make 336 times the income of rank and file workers. The richest 1% now control one-fifth of all income. Do you support... How these companies operate
0: well look um the simple answer is all of these companies and the politicians in congress all work together let me repeat again in china they call it state capitalism the communist party and all the uh, leaders of all the companies are one they're in the same party in the united states we have this illusion that there are these uh, leaders who head up companies completely different than the Congress people, everyone, you know, all of Silicon Valley owns every politician in Congress. All right. The reason on November 16th, uh, 2018, that CISA was passed, Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Act. And think about this, Donald Trump signed it into law, which destroyed the first amendment, which allowed government to control all the social media companies is this unholy alliance. And every member of Congress voted for it and every member of the Senate House and Congress, and that is should be very clear that in the United States, all the leaders of the major Fortune 1,000 companies and government are absolutely one. In fact, they rotate between government agencies and their jobs. So it should be very clear to people that these people are one. You shouldn't. We shouldn't separate them at all. And that's a real lesson that people need to take away, Chris.
1: Yeah, I think sometimes people confuse. Uh what we have today with actual capitalism when I believe we actually have crony capitalism because the lobbyists are in bed with the politicians. And the well, it's, it's
0: worse than that. Organized crime. Let's be very simple what this is. This is organized criminals. All those people on the debate stage up there, they should all be prosecuted. They're all criminals from debate the snake to Nikki Haley to all of them. DeSantis, all of them, you're looking at a bunch of organized criminals up there, and they basically represent small and large different crime families. That's what you're witnessing today on the debate stage, and they essentially represent different, you know, uh, uh, elements of the swarm. They do not represent you or I. Anything that comes out of their mouth that may sound good has nothing to do with us because they're not one of us. All of these people up on the debate stage are organized criminals. In the first 100 days, we will start issuing executive orders to make sure these kinds of criminals are properly prosecuted. For example, they're all one degree of freedom away from the Dubai, Singapore, Liechtenstein, you know, cabal, which knows how to do money laundering. Every one of them knows about this. They are they hate this country. They hate the First Amendment. They hate the Second Amendment. Every one of those people on that stage. They're all part of they're not one of us, Chris. I couldn't agree more. And they deserve a right to a speedy trial, speedy trial, and you know, uh, and and the fullest extent of the law should be uh, executed on them. You know, and we can talk more. What I'll do in one hundred days, but every one of those people are part of organized crime families, and that's why they're able to get away with their crimes. Vivek the Snake, what he did, he should be fully prosecuted for what he did. With the big pharma companies, you know, he bought a failed drug that failed four times for 5 million bucks and resuscitated it with his mother's help based on data that they munged together to take a useless drug and then to promote it to very poor working people who thought by buying his stock, they're gonna, you know, uh, he's gonna save, he's gonna find a cure for Alzheimer's. The guy's a complete scam artist. Well, but he's representative of all of them, you know? He's representative of all of them. Well, we'd be here all night if we were to discuss each
1: one of their crimes. So we'll move on to the next question. The government will shut down if Congress does not reach a deal uh, at the end of this week. If the government shuts down, should voters blame populist Republicans?
0: Well, look, I think we need to, look, the, the swarm creates theater, right? They create theater, oh my God, there's a government shutdown, right? The bottom line is, what has government actually done for anyone? Can anyone talk about what government ac- actually done in this country? Look at the infrastructure in this country. The infrastructure is absolutely falling apart. Look at the uh, the level of governance in this country. Everyone in Congress is owned by Silicon Valley or one of the large Fortune 1000 companies. They do not work for people. They work for a finite set of people. They work for the 0.001%. I don't really care if government shuts down. Who cares? Let them all shut down. Let, let them go out of business because we frankly need very, very limited government, if any of this stuff. So I think we should all be happy they're gonna shut down and we should just go on our own ways. But more importantly, everyone should come to our 11 a.m. and 8 p.m. Thursday town halls, which we have, because we'll actually teach you how to take care of your health. We'll teach you how to take care of the environment. We'll teach you how to make your kids smart. We give you practical things independent of government. What we need is truly a government by the people, for the people, but in order to have that, everyone here has got to get educated on how systems work, and how we build a movement and become leaders. So the governance should be spread out diffused out so we have self-organizing systems. I don't even think this is an issue. No one should even care about this, whether the government shuts down or is open. They haven't helped you either way.
1: Many people may say, well, what about our, our debt? What about our world uh, reserve currency status? What about our uh, our expenditures for public programs? What do you say to them?
0: Well, look. Uh, after becoming president, one of the executive orders I'll pass is that uh, we don't acknowledge any of this debt. We'll just clean, wipe clean the books. We don't know anything because the public didn't put us into debt. The elites put us into debt. Okay. I didn't. Did you, put your, did you have any say in putting us into debt, Chris? I didn't. You didn't. Neither did the other 300 million people. So we didn't put ourselves into debt. The people who put ourselves into debt are Obamas and the Trumps and the Clintons and the Bushes. Let them be jailed for putting us into debt. Let them, no one gave them the authorization to do a lot of stuff. The Fed, all these people, right? The Fed does not represent us. It is a private entity which should be completely demolished. It shouldn't even exist. So when we talk about our debt, it's not my debt, it's their debt. And we don't owe any of that debt. So we would wipe that slate completely clean, just wipe it clean. And any money that's ever issued must be backed by gold or silver, period. And perhaps uh, if there is truly a, a cryptocurrency that could truly be managed by the people, for the people, potentially that, if it's a limited amount of it, um, you know, and it, and it cannot be busted, you know, with quantum computing. But uh, the bottom line is this is not our debt. You know, you see how the elites are. They keep coming up with ways, very, very powerful pronouns. Oh, our debt. It's not our debt. It's not my debt. I didn't create this
1: financial experts and media pundits' heads are spinning, but the entire economy will collapse and it's game over for America.
0: Yeah, no, 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 it won't collapse for us. It'll collapse for the elites. 600 billionaires when, I mean, Trump printed $8 trillion, right? We're at 33 trillion, 128% uh, of the GDP, right? So 1.28 times more than the GDP is a debt. And what happened in 2020? Elon Musk became the wealthiest person. Jeff Bezos became wealthier, right? All of these guys became wealthier at the expense of this printing of money, which went up to them. 600 billionaires increased their wealth by $2.3 trillion. So of that $33 trillion in debt, you could argue $2.3 trillion were in that range went to these guys. This is not my debt. It's like someone else stealing your credit card and ranking up, you know, debt on your credit card. I don't know that debt. No one owns this debt. Let them all go bankrupt. Who cares? When they say our debt, us going bankrupt, it's not our debt, period. Working people will expropriate the assets of these people who created this mess. It will become public assets owned and operated by the people. That's what needs to happen. All righty. And, so and much of this debt, you know it was also created by all these wars uh, that we that were created for the elites by the elites to serve them. Uh, you know, some people say there's about another twenty trillion dollars just missing from, you know, it was printed and sent out to people. And if you go look at this, the war machine that they've created in the Middle East has served the elites, the amount of money that went into financing that. So you know we need to make sure that we end all financing of Zionist Israel. period. Anyone who wants to support the butchering, of Palestinian youth should all be brought to task and also prosecuted. And all of them on that debate stage support that. Everyone on that debate stage supports the advancement of the military industrial complex by the funding of Israel and all of these foreign wars. I will not do that. Just pull the plug on all this shit. Pull the plug on NATO. Pull the plug on IMF. Uh, This is not American. This is not, none of this was decided by the American people.
1: I believe the total figure is 21 trillion in unaccounted-for funds by former Assistant Secretary Catherine Austin Fitz, uh, Assistant Secretary of HUD. Yep. Uh, so we'll move on to the next question here. Childcare costs are topping $10,000 per month. Some families are spending half of their income on childcare. The last of the pandemic emergency funding is about to end, and thousands of daycares might close. How would you address childcare costs for families?
0: Yeah, look, if you actually add up and I did this at some point, uh, if you add up the actual cost, right, of taking care of kids, you know, um, you know, many people that I know very closely. Right. um, Single mothers. Right. um, They have to drop their kid off of childcare so they can go and get, let's say, a degree so they can work. Right. Um, The issue here, Chris, is that people are doing legitimate activities to do that. You know, we should have a system which supports that. And if you actually add up the dollars, it's very, very minuscule. Um, And one of the best ways to make up that money, if you go back and just look at the fundamentals of this, is to make sure we pull the plug on a lot of these billions and billions of dollars we fund into these terrorist organizations like the United Nations, right? Like the World Health Organization, like NATO. I mean, if you just pull the plug on NATO, you solve many, many problems. So we just need to move money from this bucket over to this bucket. But working families, working people who are trying to advance themselves and who cannot afford childcare, we should support them as long as you know there should be some criteria, right? They're not going and selling drugs, or they're not going and you know being prostitutes or something like that. You know, they're actually doing some work to advance their skills, and you know, either single people or hardworking people do that. We should fully support this and just move money around. We don't need to print money. We just need to decapitate money in certain areas and move it to other areas.
1: So defunding uh, foreign militaries that invade uh, other countries and, and take that money and put it back into our communities. I, I think there's a lot of people in America that can resonate with uh, getting out of NATO and other, uh, other uh, conflicts in the Middle East and Africa and, and all over. so I like it. Uh, Yeah, and so I'll mention real quick, uh, Vivek on stage uh, just said uh, everyone on stage around him is good people and Republicans need to come together as a party. Do you have a comment on that?
0: Of course he's going to say that because they are already coming together. He's just basically saying we're one big family so I'll have a big fuck fest and fuck everyone else over. That's what that really means, right? And whenever these guys talk about unity, we should remember When they talk about unity, they're saying this because our movement, our campaign is exposing that they're all, I mean, this is no coincidence, right? I just said this and he's saying that, right? They probably have a year piece listening to what we're saying, please say this right now. Because the bottom line is the swarm will always come together to protect their own. And remember, they are not one of us and we're not one of them. When push comes to shove and our movement and our campaign grows, Watch that they will all unite against us. And that's what he just said. That's what he just telegraphed. He's telling all of them, hey, there's a guy called Dr. Shiva and there's a mass movement growing and we better get our shit together and protect ourselves because they're going to come with pitchforks against us. And that's what needs to be done, because these people have completely destroyed the health of the American people. The life expectancy rate in the United States is going you know, upside down, as we've talked about. If you have a child today, your child is going to have a lower lifespan than you. Thanks to all of those fucking idiots on the stage. Every single one of them. All of them. They're all imperialists. I mean, look at DeSantis and Vivek the Snake, right? Both went to Harvard. Both went to Yale. All right. They're part of the belly of the beast of the swarm. And so they don't care who gets elected, right? Because they're all going to profit. All one of them are one. So when he says we're all going to come together, he's really um, he's really repeating what's already been well, who they already are. Right. Anything you see differences with them, that's just the- theatrics. So you turn in and watch their stupid debates. If they are if they all say, hey, we're all together, you're not going to watch the debates. So they have to have a little bit of, quote unquote, differences, Chris. But it's all minor differences. Right. It's no difference than your kid getting an F minus and another child getting F minus minus another kid getting an F and another kid getting an F plus. They're all the same. They're all Fs. They're all gonna fuck you. That's what that means. I'm reminded of George Bush running against Sean Kerry. Uh,
1: both went to Yale. Both in Skull and Bones. Uh, I recommend a book by Anthony Sutton uh, uh, on the Skull and Bones. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I mean,
0: yeah, Chris. I don't. If, you know, I do want to talk about when we have some time after one of the questions. What I'm going to do in the first 100 days. I have a very important list that everyone needs to hear let me know when we have time. Um, I'd like to share that. Sure thing. Let's move on to the next question
1: here. President Reagan, uh, Reagan granted amnesty to 3 million illegal immigrants, something no Democrat or Republican has done since. Would you support a pathway to citizenship?
0: Yeah, so first of all, let's again go to the core principle. None of these guys on the debate stage, no member of Congress left or right wants to solve the immigration problem. Everyone should write that down. Because if you want to solve something, what do you do, Chris? You solve it, right? But none of them, none of this organized crime cartel wants to solve the immigration problem. Why? Because they profit. Everyone on that stage has profited from, quote-unquote, illegal immigration. And that illegal immigration affords them low wages. They do not want to increase the wages of the American workers. So they have allowed quote-unquote, illegal immigration to take place. Now, they get a double whammy. Think about what they're doing. The U.S. imperialists on that stage have conducted foreign wars against working people in other countries in Latin America. They have taken over their assets, right? They've, They've seized people's copper mines. They've seized their mineral resources. They've supported dictators in these countries who have abused the working people there. So those working people want to come to the United States, you know? It's a little bit better than where they are. But the imperialists on that stage and their friends and their families out of Harvard, Yale, all their cabal has made money by oppressing those people in these other countries, step one. Step two is when they come across, they play this game, oh, we need a wall, we don't need a wall, we should let them in. The ultimate goal, they let people come in because now they take these desperate people and they squeeze them for a lower wage. Okay. And that helps Wall Street and it also helps different voting blocks. So they have this down to a science. Now, my being president, you know, uh, I would do by any means necessary to make sure that we took all these quote unquote illegal immigrants, there's around, let's say, 25 million of them, those people actually working here are, are earning wages, immediately um, start taxing them, right? Put them on a path to citizenship. If they don't have any criminal activities, if they don't have any criminal you know pass, uh, within a period of five to ten years they should be on the path to getting their green cards and becoming citizens. And I did the numbers it will generate close to two to four trillion dollars in revenue for the United States overnight. Now we should also do the inverse. Those American citizens who are living like Bernie Sanders should be deported, okay, to some other countries. He's never worked a day in his life. Anyone who scammed the system who is able-bodied and is capable of working. I mean, I have friends that I know who have family members who are paraplegics, they're working. Disabled people are working, but you have healthy people who are scamming the system. God knows how many millions of people those are. We should do an accounting of that as long as we do the illegal, quote unquote, we should do an accounting of the legal citizens and the quote unquote illegal immigrants, and we should deport some people out and we should value those people who want to work. So this is not about illegal immigration or legal citizens. This is about who's contributing to the advancement of the United States. That's what it's about. And they don't wanna talk about that because all those criminals on the stage have profited from foreign wars. They've profited from supporting dictators. Tulsi Gabbard is the military industrial complex. I know, The recent 9-11, she said, oh yeah, the Islamists were doing this as a justification go seize iraq which became the biggest military base you see so all of these people are organized criminals they do not want to solve the immigration issue i actually have a real solution and congress should not go on any recess until they sit there and they execute on this and they deliver me a bill with this solution and it'll generate you know two to four trillion dollars in actual capital for the united states budget we'll have a surplus overnight from it right now the u.s budget is you know, four to five trillion, we'll be generating a surplus of two trillion bucks just from that.
1: I love it. I, d- I definitely think uh, many immigrants coming across the border uh, are good people and, and they just want a better life for their families. And I think-
0: Everyone, everyone, your parents were immigrants. My parents were immigrants. I'm an immigrant. Everyone's an immigrant. Who's not an immigrant? Even the native Americans were immigrant. They immigrated over wherever, right? Either they came from below, from South America or from North America. This land is a land of immigrants. That's what makes it amazing. So we need to support people who actually wanna work their butt off. Not exploit them, yeah.
1: So I have a, it's kind of a follow-up on this. Uh, Most illegal immigrants are coming from countries south of the border. A steady stream of people come into the country on a steady basis. In the last decade, government has spent $55 billion to address the root cause of migration, but crime, poverty, and corruption persists the number of border crossings is only growing. Are we wasting money?
0: Yeah, so again, let's look at the actual problem because the elites always frame the problem in such a way that it requires the elites to solve the problem. And they don't have any intention of solving the problem except paying consultants and studies. And you know who makes money out of this? The academic institutions doing quote unquote, research, research, research. They they, they give a Nobel prize to this idiot Esther Duflo, who studies poverty. (laughs) I mean, it's ridiculous. Who studies poverty? Okay, you have to solve poverty. And actually, um, they don't wanna actually execute on the solution because they're gonna lose. The bottom line is the reason that we have crime, the reason we have gun violence, the real reason is income inequality. And I did a whole four hour workshop on this when we take a systems approach. It is not the guns that cause violence, for example. It is not the fact people are taking, watching video games, it's fundamental issues of economic inequality. And the economic inequality, again, let me bring this statistic, 600 billionaires during the pandemic made $2.3 trillion. Now, if you see that kind of stuff and you are living in a neighborhood where blocks away there's a, vel- and you live in a ghetto neighborhood and blocks away there's a very wealthy, super wealthy neighborhood, I think you're gonna get a little bit upset, especially if you're a child growing up in that environment. What does that do to you psychology, psychologically? Well, some people may accept it. Well, that's just the way it is. There's gonna be rich and poor people all day and I'm gonna to have to live in a, in, a, in, a, in a paper bag and that kid who has had a birth lottery gets to live in a you know 20-story mansion. Some people may accept that, but there's gonna be a, definitely a set of people who are gonna get angry at this. And there's been a lot of wonderful papers done on that. What economic inequality does to rage people, enrage people. So crime is directly a function of economic inequality. That's where it comes from. And added to that, there's also enough data to show if a child growing up in a poverty-stricken neighborhood at least has one mentor, somebody who loves them and cares for them. It could be some friend, neighbor, a single mother, single father. They always make it out of it. And I have many, many examples. So it's the individual's relationship to other people. So we need to create this environment where we really reduce this economic inequality. And the way to do that is, we need to support people who actually work for a living. We are supporting a whole bunch of people who do not work anymore on one extreme, and the other extreme people who do not work anymore, except move capital around all day. So both those extremes, we need to cut off at the edges.
1: Agreed, agreed, and I loved your idea of, uh... Um, proper mentorship programs, I believe, uh, they really can help people that come from more desperate situations get uh, overcome yeah. those challenges. Yeah. And then yeah, as for the 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 underlying question, are we wasting money? I would say yes, in every single way, we are ma- wasting money as a country. So yeah. uh, let's move on to the next yeah, the question. a
0: simple answer, yes, we're wasting money on all of these people. Um, and we should talk about academics at some point too.
1: Okay, let's move on to the next question here. China invested $12 billion in Latin America last year. They signed strategic partnerships in seven countries, including Mexico. China's military ties to the region now include arms sales and training exercises. Are you comfortable with China uh, deepening ties on our Southern border?
0: Well, uh, obviously everyone should be concerned but the, the the reality of who caused this is the U.S. elites. The U.S. elites are responsible for this, not us. Again, we should make a big difference between when we say we, meaning the American people versus the American elites. The American elites fully collaborate with the Chinese elites. This would not happen without full support from the elites. The elites are moving large amounts of their capital into the BRICS nations, right, Brazil, um, India, Russia, and China. So we need to make very clear that what we're witnessing before us is essentially a consolidation of power among a global set of elites. Now China, um, essentially what they're doing in Latin America or Africa uh, is essentially a different approach, right? China goes to those people and uh, educates them, gives them money, right? Uh, Helps them build roads and infrastructure. The United States elites go to them, to Africa and Latin America, and they tell them, to all become gay, right? Or I'll tell them to become support LBGT, all right? This is what we export. We're not really exporting any level of knowledge. We're not, we're not giving people in Latin America infrastructure, right? In fact, what we've been doing in Latin America, Chris, since the 1960s, right, is we've been exporting um, and supporting dictatorships, right? Chile was a, a, a clear example of this. We supported this guy Pinochet, right? who butchered his own people, butchered uh, students who were protesting and buried them in the walls of a stadium in order to make sure the US could have access to uh, monopolies of Anaconda mine, which is one of the biggest copper mines. So that's what we've been doing. So we have no right to critique China, right? Because the US elites did that to suppress the working people of Latin America. And now through their own interaction with the elites, of China, they're doing a second round of exploitation of the people of Latin America. So ultimately, the working people in the United States need to unite, we need to build a movement, and we need to link arms with the working people of Latin America. That's what needs to happen. That's really the, the real source of the issue. Um, again, it's theater. It's absolute theater to say the U.S. versus China, the U.S. versus Russia. These are all dialectics which are designed so we remove our eye off the ball of who our real enemy is.
1: Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. I love that you bring up the exploitation uh, from the Anglo-American establishment uh, on South America and uh, our our neighbors uh, to the South. Uh, It's actually, it's despicable what we've done to them and uh, there's many a good book on uh, on that topic. I highly recommend uh, Confessions of an Economic Hitman you Which know. is a very good book on that topic, exactly.
0: So right. By the way, book. let me be clear. You know, you know, you know, the percentage of people uh, who are want to focus on LBGT rights, right, versus the percentage of people want to focus on making sure they have good health care and wages and infrastructure, I think is vastly different. So the United States goes to these countries and promotes LBGT rights as the center issue. Not about healthcare, not about food, not about education. China's coming in there and saying, you know, we're gonna help you with food, education, healthcare. Who are you gonna go with? I mean, it's pretty obvious, right? Who are you gonna go with? Absolutely. We need we need a return to sanity.
1: Let's move on to the next question here. In twenty seventeen, the Trump Pence administration canceled DACA which put the legal status of 600,000 Dreamers in the hands of courts. Dreamers work and they pay taxes. As president, if the Supreme Court ends DACA, would you work with Congress to reach a permanent solution for Dreamers?
0: Yeah, so Chris, again, we have to see this as a system solution, right? The DACA uh, issue is part of the larger issue of immigration. So you notice what they do. They do not want to go solve the real immigration issue. They peel away a piece of it like DACA, you see? And then they create a little theater over here. So the Democrats act like they're doing something and then they make the Republicans look like they're the enemy, not doing something. The real, the comprehensive solution to immigration is very simple. Take all of the people who are quote unquote illegal immigrants, you know, put them on a path to citizenship provided. They don't have this crimes and all those issues, and they can show that they're actually working. If they're working, people in the United States put them on a path to citizenship. And that should be done within one congressional term, right? One, you know, semester of Congress should do that. It shouldn't be prolonged more than, you know, 13 weeks period. This is not a difficult issue uh, to address and solve if you want to solve it. But if you just want to do something for political points, And for the media to create the left-right narrative, Fox says this, CNN says this, this is going to keep going on forever. So again, my solution is I actually have a blueprint, which we had on our Shiva for Senate site. We would just, it's basically a five-page blueprint. Step one, do this, do this, do this. You call all the congressional people together. You publicly do a whiteboard session, which I would do, right? Make all of these people accountable and in an open forum, that it should be televised, go to the Senate majority leader, the House majority leader and say, are you gonna do this, okay? And if you're not gonna do this, tell tell us why right now in front of these cameras, you see? You need to get their commitments. And are you gonna commit that you're gonna do this versus, you know, end end the session, oh, I gotta go on vacation. All these people are being paid by tax dollars. They get amazing benefits. You know, you go into Congress, you get pension for life. You get a pension for life, okay? So all of these people are getting paid handsomely, they should go there and solve the immigration issue in 13 weeks or less. That's what they should do. And they should bring their sleeping bags, they should tent up there and they should not leave until this blueprint that I have is put into practice because the solution is very, very simple, as I've laid out. Make sure those people who are hardworking, people who came to this country and contributing, they put on be put on a path to citizenship, tax them, get two to $4 trillion, in tax revenue.
1: So I'm listening to your answer there. Uh, many people would say it would be a miracle for Congress to come together on anything. How exactly would you uh, work with Congress or
0: is there is there any way to work with No, you Congress? can't, they're all criminals, okay? Every member of Congress, the reason I say they're all criminals and no one should expect, it, I'm not gonna set the standard, will you work with them? No, I'm not gonna work with them. We should be very clear. The judiciary is corrupt. The legislature is corrupt. The presidency is corrupt. All right. We need to build a movement. You know, my winning the presidency is literally the people taking over this country. That's what it is in a peaceful way. And the day you get elected to office, this is essentially a phase transition has taken place. A revolutionary event has taken place. And the idea is to use the authority of the people in the first hundred days to move very, very quickly, Chris. Because a revolution just, you know, my winning is more than just winning the presidency. It's a revolutionary event took place. Would you not agree? It's way beyond that. So what would we do? We would immediately end the proxy war in Russia and Ukraine and bring all the troops home. We'll prosecute the heads of all the social media companies who've been involved in collusion with the government to destroy the First Amendment. We'll immediately execute, you know, after a speedy trial, the heads of the mainstream media companies, who have literally been involved as a government psychological operation against every US citizen, will seize all diplomatic relations with the city of London until they deal with the endemic criminality that's taking place there. We should seize all the assets of Amazon and all the big tech companies and make it a public holding, which every citizen can buy into. No one can own more than 1%. Uh, Anyone with dual Israel citizenship must resign their public position. We should take down the criminal ADL and prosecute, frankly, Jeffrey Greenblatt, we remove all funding for Israel. We'll also should prosecute all the graduates of the Young Global Leaders Program of the WEF for treason and cons- conspiracy to commit treason. And it's very easy because we have the force of the people who voted for me winning uh, that office of the presidency. We should exit, as I mentioned before, the United Nations, the WHO, the IMF, and obviously NATO. And, you know, there needs to be an expropriation of assets of people who've been running a criminal operation from the Bushes to the Clintons, to the Trumps, the Kennedys, the Sanders, and frankly, every member of Congress, every member of Congress, every all of them is part of this criminal enterprise. Now, why do I say that? Because every single one of them voted unanimously, voted unanimously for the creation of the cybersecurity infrastructure security agency on November 16th, 2018. The fund- fundamentals of the United States says Congress shall pass no law, no law shall be passed to a bridge of freedom of speech. They all were part of this. So none of them should be, um, you know, all their assets should be expropriated because e- everything that they have has been made from cutting deals against the American people. I mean, Nancy Pelosi is an egregious example, goes into Congress with nothing and has close to a half a billion dollars in assets now. And on and on and on, right? Jared Kushner gets a $2 billion loan. Yeah, I'm not gonna work with any of them, fuck that. I'm gonna work with the people who brought us into power, those are who we need to work with. And we will make sure in every inner city, in every city, in every suburb, all these people vote for us, they're properly trained to seize local power in, the, in their local counties. And then we have a self-organizing system. We need a systems overhaul, your child's lifespan is going to be less than yours. These people do not deserve to be in power.
1: Many may agree with your sentiment, but most might say your ideas for reform are too radical. What do, what do you have to say
0: to them? Who's many? What, what is, what is, what is they, they're using very, very interesting terms. Many may say, many. First of all, the few may say that okay? The many will agree with me. The many are actually on our side. So when people say these statements, they need to get their head out of their ass. That's my first thing. Because people make these very broad statements because that statement that that individual just made, Chris, is coming from brainwashing of their own neuron, neuronal network, okay? Many, 300 million people, okay? You take a state like Massachusetts, 6.7 million citizens, 5.5 million can register to vote, only 4.2 million even bother registering to vote. 1.3 million, the many don't even participate. Out of that 4.2 million, 2.2 only vote. Another 2.0 million, the many plus the 1.3, 3.3 don't even bother voting. And out of that 2.2, only half of them are making decisions. And you can apply that to the country. Less than 20% of people, the many are making decisions for the 80%, the many, that 80% support me and that 80% who they want to make me invisible to. So they need to get your pronouns correct. Um, The many actually will fully support us, such uh, expropriation that I've just talked about of all these people. You know, we should eliminate, go back to the constitution, all these standing armies and the police, uh, you know, all should be local militias. Um, The US government uh, should also uh, only be allowed to print money only if it's backed by gold and silver. And we should arrest the owners of the Fed private company and prosecute all of them for larceny. That's what they've done. And um, we should also defund all the intelligence agencies. But see, others will say this, but they don't have a movement. When you have a movement, we can do it. okay? and we should also reward all whistleblowers and prosecute those responsible for trying to enslave all of us. The other thing we need to definitely do is all these academics in every major institution Who's published fabricated data, they should all be jailed immediately because it's pretty easy to, and a lot of that has occurred. And every university president who gave, who took money from Epstein after he was convicted, and I'll tell you one of them is MIT President Raphael Reif. He should be convicted and jailed, okay? He should be prosecuted. And we should also, as I mentioned um, earlier on, um, every citizen in the United States should receive proper weapons training and should be provided firearms. It's just a basis of uh, ensuring that we could follow the spirit of the constitution, which is to make sure if, go- if the government becomes destructive, it should be abolished and altered. The, first, the second amendment, I'm sorry, wasn't created to go pheasant hunting. So Don fucking Jr. can go kill some poor elephants and cheetahs in Africa. That's not why it was created. It was created so the citizenry could be armed properly to abolish and alter the government if it becomes destructive to us. Um, we should close down and de-accredit most of the medical schools in the United States. Okay, after what occurred in the 1900s by the Rockefellers, and we should really support and do a lot of research on alternative medicine. So this is one of the things I do. We need to demilitarize the police, and you know, I can do that. The executive branch is ahead of the enforcement division. Um, the other piece, the other piece of this is Chris. All the victimless crimes should be made legal. You know, and as a part of that, we should feel all the prisoners. Of convicted of crimes in which no one was harmed um, or you know or there's uh, clear evidence of self-defense and i can keep going on but i'll come back i have about four or five more things that this should be done with the wave of our movement you see
1: i love your answer yeah. there shattering the false paradigm uh the many are us and we are on your side and i, I completely agree so we'll, we'll turn to the next question here speaking of crime Crime has been a horrendous problem in this country. Crime in major cities is striking fear in the hearts of Americans. Just last night, looters took over the streets of Philadelphia. Governor Christie recently proposed in the last debate using US attorneys to prosecute crimes that local law enforcement won't. But they are overwhelmed as well and they could not handle all of the lawlessness, the carjackings, the armed robberies. They're all skyrocketing. Progressive prosecutors were elected by their constituents and now they can't be fired by a president. So what would you do to end the revolving door of criminality?
0: Okay, well, Chris Christie's a fucking criminal. Okay, let's start, let's begin right there. Everyone knows what he did with Bridgegate, okay? He has no authority to talk about crime, okay? Every one of those people on the stage is a criminal. Okay, Vivek Ramaswamy is a criminal. He should be prosecuted for what he did with that company of his, Oxavant, where they went and took five million dollars, bought a failed drug, you know, put it back on Wall Street, massage the data with his mother's help. Mother's help. Okay, And then flipped the company. He took away 50 million bucks. Every one of those guys on stage is a criminal. So none of these people have any authority to talk about crime. Um, The crimes that they've done, you know, are are ten times more worse than These petty larcenies or people getting upset, all right? What they've done with the sweet stroke of a pen, what they've done in back rooms with hedge fund meetings, right? How they've manipulated money. Everyone on that stage is an organized criminal. The real question is, what are we going to do about that crime? Let's focus on the real crime. You see, the real crime is all those guys on stage. And that's why the only solution for everyone listening is you got to go to shivaforpresident.com and get ready to vote for Shiva for president. Get one of these bumper stickers and put it on the back of your car. And when you do that, you're saying a big fuck you. And what you're saying is I'm going to come after all of you criminals by voting for Dr. Shiva. So you see how they phrase these questions? It's an assumption that they're not criminals. okay? Chris Christie was the attorney general or whatever, the governor of New Jersey, where I grew up in. He's a fucking criminal. All right. Who is he? I mean, he's a mobster. Look at him. He's a fat fucking mobster. All right. By the way, I went to school with him. He used to be the catcher on our baseball team. on a lot of weight since then. But regardless of that, all of those people on the stage, Chris, are all criminals. The issue is, what are we going to do to jail them? What are we going to do to prosecute all of them? And why would we, why are they even on the debate stage? It's a crime that they use social media, you know, and then they have this alliance with, with government to make our campaign invisible. Is that not a crime? How many civil rights laws does that break? How many election interference laws does that break? So they get away with crime every day, okay? So we need to really define who's the criminal here. They're the criminals.
1: I can I can appreciate that answer. I uh, Yeah, pointing the finger at the right direction. Uh, and I think this goes back to your uh, earlier point that in, income inequality is, is ultimately the reason why these things are happening, that th- these people... They don't have uh, access to good infrastructure. They have poor schooling, poor public schools, lack of education. And so by actually going after the real criminals, we solve the actual problem. Rather
0: well, than- well the, 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 Chris, remember I use this term proletariat, which are the people who basically they have arms, they have weapons, they have drugs, et cetera, over on one extreme. And over here are the bourgeois, okay? who just move capital around, who never really do a lot like Elon Musk, but they get uh, you know appropriated to very, very high levels on this other extreme. Both of these people are criminals. The people in the middle who actually get up every day and work, who, who are being disarmed, whose second amendment rights are being taken away. People over here have weapons, because you know the Bernie Sanders has armed guards protecting him. Elon Musk has armed guards protecting him. And on the other extreme, the thugs have weapons, right? So both extremes, the lumpenproletariat and the bougie people are going to squeeze the middle people who are actually working for a living. So we have to redefine the criminal behaviors occurring to working people. So over here, the proletariat go do some crazy shit and the bourgeois point to them. Oh my God, this is crime. We need to disarm people. They don't care about disarming the proletariat. They want to disarm the working people because they're the people who who may, who should be exercising their Second Amendment rights against the destructive nature of government and the bougies and the lumpen proletariat. So that's who they want to disarm. So when they talk about crime, they don't want to disarm criminals. They want to disarm the working people so we don't go after the criminals. That's what this is about.
1: Yeah, strange that we don't see any of this happening in Martha's Vineyard. But we'll move on to the next question here. Right. It's a good point. For the first time ever, a Univision poll found that mass shootings and gun safety are one of the most important issues for Latino voters. Mental health concerns are not unique to the United States, but gun violence is. What is your specific plan to curb gun violence?
0: Fantastic question. As you know, Chris, as everyone should know, by the way, if people go to truthfreedomhealth.com, you know, uh, Truth Freedom Health, Which is the powerful movement that I created. It's a system, it's a movement, right? Um, We teach people how to think from a systems perspective. It's the knowledge that the elites learn. So, Truth, Freedom, Health, we've created a university, and it's one of my creations like email, like Cytosol, Truth, Freedom, Health. It's an innovation. But, and every, you know, once every two months, we take a major system. Several months ago, we took gun violence and we did an entire systems analysis of it. So the left wing says, oh, my God, it's the guns that are causing gun violence. We must disarm people. All right. The right wing does the inverse. They say it's not the guns. It's the drugs. It's the SSRIs. It's kids playing video games. You see? So they then attack. So you have this left, right dialectic. They're trying to take away my guns. We're not trying to take away your guns. We just don't want whatever. Right. They try to do this dialectic. But the reality that neither wing wants to talk about As our analysis showed unequivocally when you look at the data uh, the country with the highest income inequality in the world is the United States. The country with the highest gun violence is the United States. Then if you go to every state in the United States and you rank order them with the highest gun violence to the lowest and you you'll find out interesting enough that the ones with the highest income inequality have the highest gun violence. However what they did over the last 20 years, the ones that had the highest in- income inequality, they knew they were going to have h- high gun violence. So guess what they did? A place like Massachusetts, Connecticut, New York, which have the highest income inequalities, they took away all their guns. They made the gun laws very restrictive, okay? So it is income inequality that is a source of gun violence. And then if you go to the mass shootings, you find out many of these kids were working class kids. They're working at Wendy's, they were trying to hold a job, right? But on top of that, there are the work of, uh, I believe, uh, Professor Newman, I forget her first name, did a systems analysis that showed there are five factors among these kids, these mass shootings, that lead to gun violence. And if you take away any one of the factors, you could have stopped any one of those incidents. So for example, teachers knowing something's wrong with the kid, looking the other way, okay? Not enough surveillance, right? Not proper security. So there are always ways that they could have stopped it, but you could argue um, in a, you know, pool of, let's say, 300 million people, there's going to be a certain set of people with the economic inequality who are going to get disgruntled. So you want, so, so the left wants the gun violence to take place so they can remove the guns. The right, when the gun violence takes place, sends out emails, give us money, give us money, the left is trying to take away our guns and they make capital. Donald Trump makes money, the NRA makes money, all these gun, gun groups, but none of them wanna solve the issue. Why is there this massive income inequality in the United States? Why is that? And the same people who talk about helping the poor and are against guns have armed security guards and they get to fund that. So they do not wanna address a real issue which is income inequality. It's income inequality. That is a fundamental source of gun violence. And if anyone wants to know more, they could go look at the research I did. There's a whole workshop paper I did on this. But neither the left or the right wants to talk about this because it gets to the real heart of the problem. And they do not want to talk about that. And the income inequality, by the way, is measured by the GINI score, J-I-N-I. And you can literally do a plot of gun violence and income inequality, and you'll see it just pops out like, you know, uh, you know, black and white it's right there
1: and you made an interesting point about a lot of the highest income inequality in these uh cities where you have uh kids living in ghettos and and seeing you know some some of the wealthiest people in our entire country driving bentleys living in their penthouse suites on fifth avenue like donald trump uh uh, I'm curious to know, do you think there's an intersection here uh, with uh, inner-city schools and the, the ability for kids to get good mentors in education? To, to get good what? Uh, for mentor- for oh. kids yeah. in inner-city schools.
0: Well, look, we need to have, we need to incent a program. That's what I would do. Uh, you know, I was basically uh, one of the beneficiaries of this, right? Because I had a very good mentor when I was 13, 14, um, they invited me to work in a, in a small medical college in Newark, New Jersey, where I created the first email system, but I had great mentorship, right? I had a good family. I'll give you another example. A good friend of mine, uh, Bruce Padmore. Uh, Bruce grew up in gunshots flying around him in the inner cities of Louisiana, but he had a very hard loving mother. He made it out of that and came to MIT, became a very, very good engineer. So it shows that mentoring is a key. When I used to teach a class at MIT on system science, uh, one of my students came out of the Harvard educational, uh, she was doing her graduate work, and she found this consistently. When you look at people who make it through school, right, get their high school diploma and a college degree, um, and they could be in the roughest neighborhoods, it happens because some one person was there to love them, care for them. And so that's why I believe we should incent small businesses to do mentoring programs, you know, where they'll take a kid in, give him a job, right? Support him to doing an internship. These things have profound effects on building a value system. So again, the data shows it doesn't have to be a mother or a father in the traditional sense, but someone who's willing to be a, a sensei, a master, you know, to let that person apprentice and learn these good values. But we need to create those kind of, we need to decentralize the problem, Chris. It can't be top down, you know? In the old days, people had local churches, you know? when someone fell sick, when someone lost a job, the community helped that person out. And now we've uh, transferred all that, outsourced all of that to a centralized government. It's never gonna hurt, they can't do it because they don't care. There's no uh, sense of love or commitment in any of that.
1: Thank you for that. We'll we'll move on to the next question. According to Customs and Border Protection, about 90% of fentanyl is seized at the border crossings and 57% of smugglers are U.S. citizens. How would you stop fentanyl brought into the country by U.S. citizens through ports of entry?
0: Well, again, we should recognize that there is an, I, I did a whole video on this several years ago, that the drug business is actually a money laundering business for U.S. companies, all right? And there's a wonderful systems analysis I did um, there's an entire racket of U.S. companies who ship products over the border and then that those products are changed for cash into drugs and that the drugs are brought in and sold here and that cash is provided back uh, in some very, very interesting laundering ways. There's a whole diagram I did on this. So you got to recognize that the drug business is part of a money laundering business. That many U.S. companies are involved in actively, okay? So you cannot divorce the whether it's fentanyl today or it's you know something else tomorrow. That all of this is part of a money laundering enterprise. Does that make sense? It's a money laundering enterprise. So if you say, "Oh my God, we got to stop fentanyl," you're not seeing this larger piece. Again, it gets back to my central point: everyone on that GOP debate stage is part of an organized crime family, okay? And that's what we should recognize. It's black and white. They don't want to solve any of these problems. They will do all the rhetoric, but the fundamental issue, uh, you know, with the fentanyl, right, um, which is you know a painkiller, right. Um, uh, we have to go back to the roots of this. If you want me to get into the details of that, you know, diacetyl morphine, diacetyl morphine, uh, used to be sold in the Sears catalog. You could buy it. Mm-hmm. Okay, you could buy it. It was It's actually a derivative of opium, which is a natural product. And you could buy diacetylmorphine uh, for people who had chronic pain. Um, there was, um, you know, where ibuprofen didn't work, diacetylmorphine did. And there are people who have chronic pain and diacetylmorphine did So the Sears robot catalog allowed you to buy it. Okay, it was very decriminalized. It was unregulated. Then suddenly one day they decided to call it heroin take it off and make it a crime. And overnight, heroin sales went up, all right? And it was, eating, uh, it was eating in to big pharma sales. So therefore, there became the war on drugs, okay? To support the, the pharma industry's products. And you, you will see this entire scam of what's legal and illegal being very fluid. It depends on which organized crime family is in power so what's legal one day becomes illegal another day but this is all organized crime please write those two words down we're looking at organized criminals on the the gop debate stage today every one of them has made money through illicit means and so the fentanyl thing we have to recognize is a activity which is for money laundering and none of those people want to stop that because they're all part of the organized crime system
1: Excellent answer. Again, pointing the finger at the, at the right person is very important.
0: Yeah, I mean, one of the things, you know, I mentioned in my first 100 days, we need to understand uh, very clearly, you know, this, a lot of people may not know this, but there is an entire uh, mafia, you know, network that's been established um, by a number of very, very interesting players, international players, Uh, global players, right? And these global players are uh, not fully understood by, you know, a lot of the people in the United States right now, but they they shouldn't. And who am I speaking about? Uh, Let me give you this um, uh, uh, important point here, is that if you look at um, countries like Liechtenstein, if you look at countries like Dubai, okay, if you look at countries like um, uh, Singapore, okay, these countries have set up immense financial centers, Chris, and these financial centers are set up so all the criminals up on the stage up there can move capital around and do money laundering. And you know, one of the things that I will do um, as president, which is not gonna be seemed as very, very favorable um, to these people, but it needs to be done is that we need to establish an international tribunal And that must be formed to investigate Switzerland, Liechtenstein, Singapore, Dubai, private banking. They have things called private bankers. And forensically, we, we need to have forensic auditors to determine how the mob, how all those people on stage, they're part of that mob, operates their billions in secret to achieve their objectives. That's what we need to do. We need to do a serious forensic audit. Absolutely.
1: Let's move on to the next question. Vice President Pence promised that if elected, he would end all Obamacare mandates. However, he is also promised the same as Trump's running mate in 2016. At that time, Trump Pence had a congressional majority of the first two years for the first two years, and they did not deliver on that promise. Obamacare is now more popular among Americans than ever. Is Obamacare here to stay?
0: Well, um, you're asking two questions here, right, Chris? Um, I think we lost Chris's video, but we can hear you, Chris. Chris, you're asking two questions here, right? One is, is Obamacare here to stay? And then the other is about the mandates, right? Chris? Yes. So first of all, let's be very clear. It goes back to the central thesis I started with. Go look at Pence's, Trump's, any one of those fools on the stage's history OK, go look at their history and what you'll find out is whatever they say now does not match any of their actions from before. When Trump was in office, he coordinated with all the state governors to support the vaccine mandates and the mask mandates. About two months ago, about, sorry, four weeks ago, he puts out a bogus video claiming we will not comply, that there's new mandates, mandates coming. And when he gets back into office, like Pence is staying here, right, Pence, that they will stop these mandates and stop these uh, mask, uh, mask or vaccine mandates. That's what they're saying, right? Well, what did they do when they were in power? They completely supported all of them. Every one of those people on stage, including DeSantis, supported them. Okay, he was a Johnny come lately. And why? Because he needed revenue for Florida tourism revenue, more than anyone else, okay? But he waited about a year, and he supported a guy called Jay Bhattacharya, who was promoting lockdowns in early 2020, period. So all of these guys' words do not match their deeds, and you compare their words and deeds to my words and deeds. In March of 2020, I was the first one to call out the lockdowns, first ones to come out against the vaccine mandates as early as 2019 or before. We were organizing demonstrations on the ground. We, do, we started the fire Fauci campaign to get rid of Fauci. We told Trump to get rid of him. We sent him a formal letter. I had conversations with the White House. So the bottom line is this. Don't listen to these people's words. They're all full of shit. Okay. And relative to Obamacare, Obamacare is a consolidation of the PBMs, the GPOs, big pharma insurance, right? The organized crime syndicate. All of these people are part of that. Obama was the one who executed for them. They don't want to get rid of Obamacare. It makes so much money for this crime syndicate. Anything they say attacking Obama is in words only. What I would do is I would get rid of I would make it illegal to have GPOs and PBMs who are the dark middlemen behind the curtains who are controlling the inflate inflating the prices of drugs and inflating the prices of everything that goes into a hospital. But all of these people since the 1970s have been supporting group purchasing organizations known as GPOs and pharmacy uh, broker managers who inflate drug prices. They're not going to get rid of them because those same people are the ones who are funding everyone on their campaigns. Everyone on there is being funded by the people who support Obamacare. This is all just bullshit theater that you're seeing. Bunch of organized criminals being put on TV by other organized criminals to manipulate the plebes, you know, the peasants. Don't fall for it.
1: Yeah, and our next question kind of dovetails perfectly. Healthcare is the leading cause of bankruptcy for American families, accounting for two thirds of all personal bankruptcies. As president, how would you protect Americans who get sick from financial ruin?
0: Okay, here you know, when I, I did a whole video you guys can find on the healthcare system, I did a beautiful drawing explaining it and going to the heart of the solution. Here's a solution, simple, number one, you need to take care and learn how to take care of your body. If you want to learn how to do that, you know I've created the tool for that. Go to your body, your system. Go to Truth for Human Health. We'll teach you how to be actually your own doctor. Learn how to eat the right foods. Learn how to support your immune system. They're not going to do it. Over the last seventy years, they've destroyed your immune system, and the immune system and your lifespan are intimately linked. They want you to die early. Right now, your child is going to have a shorter lifespan than you. So, first principle. If you want to learn how to take care of your health, c- come to our town hall or open house. We'll teach you. They're not going to do shit for you. Number two, if you're going to have a healthcare provider like a doctor and you, health emerges when you both can collaborate. In the old days, the doctor, and the doctor would look at the patient and you would look at you. He would spend time with you. He knew your family's history. We don't have that. Between the doctor and the patient now, Chris, are all these intermediaries, insurance companies, GPOs, PBMs, you know, go down the list. Every Tom, Dick, and Harry's in between there. So you don't have a personal relation with your doctor. You get to see that doctor for 15 minutes. And most of the time he's looking at an iPad. OK, you don't get health care anymore. All of that could be automated to a dumb chat, chat GPT, which is just running on if then else statements. OK, so you're not getting health care and the health care that you get is overpriced. There's a drug called bosentin, which is for pulmonary uh respiratory issues you can get it for 10 cents in india in the united states it's selling for 200 dollars. something crazy the drug so the drugs are too costly you can a procedure which can be done outpatient for two thousand dollars they force you to do it inpatient and they charge you thirty thousand dollars why because the group purchasing organizations three of them which control the flow of everything between the hospital and the suppliers or the drug companies and the suppliers are the middlemen. Those middlemen own the healthcare system. They are incentivized to increase the price of everything. Hospital administrators get kickbacks from GPOs. All of this was made legal by Congress. So the bottom line is the cost of healthcare is too high, period. And it was made high because of GPOs and PBMs. They should all be made illegal. Trump didn't do it. None of these guys did it. And I'm sure by the very Chris, people on that stage. My, Chris, keep continuing. I'm going to go get my charger. will be right back.
1: All righty. So I hope everyone's uh, enjoying the second GOP debate with Dr. Shiva. Uh, I'm, I always find his uh, points very uh, enlightening. And I, I think the, the answer here is very clear. If we want to lower the cost of health care, we have to get rid of the middlemen in uh, in the medical industry; these uh, uh, group purchasing organizations that sit in the middle and just siphon all the money out uh, are driving the health uh, the cost of healthcare through the roof. And then other things, uh, other same things that we might do is also allowing uh, uh, insurance companies uh, you you to have insurance across state lines. So there's a lot of these regulations where I can't. Purchase insurance on the other uh, side uh, on the other side of a border. And so things like this are simple ways to let the market well, figure this out.
0: Well, well, Chris, one of the big things we need to recognize is, so there are these companies called group purchasing organizations on the hospital side, which control ninety percent of the flow of every catheter, every medicine into the hospital. And there's three of them. There are three pharmacy broker managers. Those guys control the flow of every piece of medicine into your local Walgreens. Into your local CVSs. So big pharma is bad, but GPOs are even worse. If you think anyone could be worse. So if you and I create a mind mind-blowing drug that can cure Alzheimer's, and we're a small co- company, excuse me, and we want to get it out to CVS, you know what we got to do? We got to bribe the GPOs. We got to bribe the PBMs. And they will take our drug and they'll inflate it to such high levels that it becomes unaffordable unless you have insurance. Okay? So they force people to get insurance. The real solution to the healthcare problem is we should go to direct um, purchase. You know, uh, uh, the, the doctors, people should not have to get insurance, frankly, anymore. You should pay out of pocket and then you have crisis care as you need it. OK, and many doctors want to do it. OK, it's called a direct practitioner model. OK, doctors are saying, look, just give me seventy dollars a month, Chris. That's it. And I'm only going to take 500 patients on. Now what's nice about for a doctor is he can survive on that okay and he can give quality care to those people but you pay out of pocket and for crisis situations in case you need to go to a hospital you get another type of insurance it's about 100 bucks so you can radically lower the cost of health care that's on the direct side so the doctors get to give much more time with their patients they they're going to take a limited number of patients on It's not concierge medicine. It's family practitioners who really want to help. And this is a very proven model. There's about 2000 doctors, 3000 who are doing this now in the United States. But the other thing that needs to happen is that we need to blow up these GPOs and PBMs. The three major GPOs are now merged with the three major insurance companies. So do you understand? The insurance companies want healthcare costs to be high. It may seem counterintuitive, why? That's why you're gonna buy insurance. Oh my God, mm-hmm. if this accident occurs to me, this procedure is gonna be $100,000 when it's only $2,000. Oh, I better get insurance, okay? And then the insurance companies raise premiums every year. It's just pure, simple, highly profitable recurring revenue. They've done the actuarial tables. They know the number of incidents are gonna be this much, right? But they keep scaring you with the high cost of healthcare So you keep paying more insurance. It's the bottom line is the cost. It's the cost dummy, period. So the GPOs and PBMs are the mobsters of this organized crime syndicate who are running this. Again, if there's one talk, if there's one, two words you take away from this, we're talking about organized crime. It's organized crime. Everyone on that GOP stage is behind the organized crime of GPOs and PBMs. All of them.
1: Absolutely, Uh, directly
0: or indirectly, they are involved. So ninety percent, ninety-nine percent directly. Don't even give them indirectly. (laughs) They're fucking involved directly. They all fund their campaigns.
1: True, true. Let's move on to the next question. American students are in academic trouble. They have lower scores in math and reading. There's a cr chronic absenteeism at record highs. And this has been called education homicide. Former South Carolina governor Nikki Haley says school choice is the answer, but South Carolina, her home state still has not enacted universal school choice. And even the current expansion won't be implemented until 2027. Parents can't wait for a fix.
0: What as president would you do right now? Look, Mickey Haley is Satan, okay? She's Satan's spawn, okay? The idiot doesn't know what the hell she's talking about. She supports the complete bombing of the Palestinian people um, and then claims she's some Christian or whatever the hell she is, okay? This woman is nuts, okay? Anything out of her mouth, again, is pure vomit. Don't even listen to any of it. Here's a real solution, all right? Here's a real solution. Number one, um, when I went to, you know, I caught a little bit of the late 70s when there were still teachers who cared. You know my chemistry teacher, Mr. Walker, who ended up winning a presidential award for teaching. One of the five teachers, he had three jobs. As a chemistry teacher, he, was, he taught AP chemistry. He worked as a teacher, amazing teacher, phenomenal teacher. And I'll tell you why he was phenomenal. He was a general contractor, and I think he did electrical work. Okay, he had three jobs, and he, he because he had needed because they didn't pay him anything. I mean, when he came to chemistry class, you shut the fuck up. Okay, and you took notes and you listened. And let me tell you how simple this was when you were solving a chemistry problem like stoichiometry. Right. Um, And if you're if the answer to the problem was 99.121 and you calculated it to be 99.12, you got 20 points off. Okay, why? Because it doesn't matter if Johnny got close to the answer. You better get the fucking right answer. Why? Because if you got 99.121, that one 1,000th of a difference could blow up a nuclear power plant, okay? You're doing a chemical calculation that if it's wrong, it's fucking wrong. It doesn't matter if it's 99.12 or one two. I mean, it does make a big difference, okay? Now, we've created an educational system. Every kid who doesn't want to study is, oh, my son Johnny is very intelligent. He has ADHD. He just can't seem to focus let's give them Ritalin Ritlin or whatever, Adderall, okay? The parents who grew up in the 60s in this country, they have created an environment of no discipline of their kids. You know, I can't tell you how many young people that I have to bring into my company and I have to be their parent. I have to slap them upside the head. I have to teach them discipline. I have to teach them to shut the fuck up and not talk back. I have to teach them that, you know what? You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I have to teach them how to keep a notebook how to keep a schedule. All of these should have been taught. And the reason this has occurred is because there's been absolutely no discipline. When a child is, I'm sorry, up until 18, they don't know what the fuck they want. They need to be directed, okay? And this is not about being choice or no choice. This is about there are certain fundamental things you have to learn. You have to learn mathematics. I'm sorry, in the modern world, many people can't even add, multiply, They don't know calculus, they don't know algebra, they don't know trigonometry. All the founders knew calculus and trigonometry, okay? In order to know these subjects, there has to be a certain level of discipline. You have to do a certain number of problems. You have to have standardized tests because this is like a driving exam. In the modern world, you have to definitively know, I believe, first of all, system science, then reading. You have to be able to formulate an expository writing piece. You have to be able to make a clear argument. You have to be able to know how to solve certain problems, I believe, up until calculus, right? And you have to be able to write effectively, which is communication, which is language is thought. So I, I'm a big believer on fundamentals, very, very strong fundamentals. And there's no choice about that. Either you know it or you don't. In certain things, there cannot be choice, okay? And answers do matter. You don't give fucking trophies to everyone. And if the kid doesn't get it, sorry, he's gonna have to study a little bit harder, okay? And you have to give him support and people have to give the right teaching tools. But I'm a big, big believer in repetition as a mother of skill. Some people can learn a dance move in five moves. Other guys may have to practice it 300 times, that's okay. But that same person may be able to solve a math problem in two times and the other guy may need to do the math problem 50 times do it. Great. Practice. Build your neuronal network in your fucking brain. So all of these people out there, everyone on stage up there, I guarantee you is a cheater. All of them had tutors, uh, mamas and papas, like Vivek the Snake, who let him, you know, he says he came from nothing. He went to a fucking prep school. The real issue is you have a lot of idiots who are getting into Ivy League schools and a lot of very, very, you know, rich kids who are getting... Uh, rich idiots who are getting to Ivy League schools and very smart, poor kids who can't get an education. This is where the real issue is. And the only way out of this is it's valuable to have certain standardized things. And we have to make sure that the teachers actually know this shit. You know, most teachers don't even know how to teach math anymore. So you have to really look at the entire educational system. You know, Mr. Walker was a great teacher. I've had great public school teacher. I learned more in public school than I did at MIT, frankly. With good teachers, people who cared.
1: Yeah, the uh, public education system is is in such disarray, one might think it was by design how badly it's uh, been eroded over over the past few decades. In
0: China, every member of the Chinese Communist Party knows how to solve a calculus equation. Most of them are engineers and scientists. All right, now how the fuck are we going to compete with that? When you have a fucking fool like Bernie Sanders, or a doofus like Vivek the Snake, or an idiot like Donald Trump, or a moron like Booby Fucking Kennedy, these people can't solve anything. Tell them to figure out why a bridge falls. Can they actually explain it? Can they do? Do they have any skills? Zero zero skills. They're going to have to bring in 20 consultants, and those 20 consultants are funded by lobbyists. So they're going to tell the fool the answer that's going to get them more money for those companies.
1: I'm not a polling expert, but I would be surprised to know if people know what a differential equation is, let alone being able to solve a
0: differential equation.
1: So let's uh, move on to the next question here.
0: No, it's a very good question, Chris. You know, when I was in ninth grade, my teacher had me read a book, uh, an essay by C.P. Snow called The Two Cultures. Everyone should read it. C.P. Snow was a physical chemist and he was a great writer, okay? And C.P. Snow said, okay, everyone knows who Shakespeare is, but go ask anyone, can you tell me what the second law of thermodynamics is? (laughs) You go to the Communist Party of China, everyone can tell you who Shakespeare is and who the second law of thermodynamics is. Everyone can tell you what a differential equation is, right? Right? But we're in a very dangerous time in the United States because fundamentals are not being taught, but people do know what fucking underwear Kim Kardashian wears and how big Kanye West's wife's boob size is. And it is the entertainment industry that was created by the elites to destroy the American working class who's a, who should be the most powerful working class on the planet to liberate all the working class because they're the only working class without the first and second amendment, but they have deliberately made these people fat, dumb, and happy.
1: I agree. The celebrity culture has uh, contributed to our, uh, our, our slumber for sure. Over 10.7 million students nationwide have the ability to change their identity without parental notification. Would you support legislation to support uh, parental rights?
0: Look, I wanna talk about this whole, whatever, transgender nonsense, okay? Um, As a systems biologist, we gotta, again, go to the root cause issue, all right? You see, what they're again teeing this up for is a left-right dialectic, Chris. It's entertainment. The framing of this entire question is for the organized crime families to discuss so we all get distracted. If you look over the last 50 to 70 years, 100 years, the big bio-agricultural companies have been destroying the soil of this country. And the soil of this country has been disrupted with all sorts of genetic engineering practices, you know, the neonicotinides, the farming practices, and these products, you know, micro levels of them have been getting into the food supply. And for based on someone's biochemistry, it can disrupt their endocrine system. And I've talked about this for many, many years, 20, 30 years, okay? So if you have, let's say some distribution, right, some Gaussian distribution, and if you don't know what Gaussian is, please go type in Gaussian, G-A-U-S-S-I-A-N, and you will learn that. And it's a normal distribution of a certain percentage of people, a very small percentage of people on either end who have gender questions. And maybe let's say it's been less than 0.1% of the population. But let's say these endocrine disruptors in the soil are now making like 10, 20% of people are questioning it. Okay? Now, if you're one of those big agricultural companies, what do you do? You call up your mobster friends, you fund NGOs and nonprofits, and now you say, oh my God, we have to normalize transgender, right? People questioning their sexuality. And then you get the woke and the anti-woke crowd fighting left and the right, Christians and non-Christians, whatever you wanna call them. Meanwhile, the fundamental issue is swept under the rug, which is the fact that the soil, the environment has been destroyed by these multi-billion dollar organized crime families. So over here, they got the plebs fighting against each other. Oh my God, uh, Johnny went to school and there's a guy with his penis, you know, or, or Julia went to school coming into her bathroom. Oh my God, this is horrible. What are we going to do? Well, maybe what should happen is all those people questioning their sexuality should step back and realize Maybe I'm fucked with the shit I've been consuming and maybe I should file a class action lawsuit against these companies, these organized crime families. But they don't want the left and the right to come together or working people. They want working people fighting against each other. What better, more volatile issue than sexuality? Wonderful issue. Another distraction, right? So I don't want to answer this nonsensical fucking question because it is Created by the organized crime syndicate to distract us from going after the organized crime syndicate, which all of them are on the debate stage right now, talking about an issue, which is frankly a bullshit issue, which doesn't go to the root cause. Because it's obvious a guy with a fucking penis should not be going into a woman's. I mean, this is not even an issue, but you're going to just be hammering away at each other, acting like, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian event, you know, evangelical, you know, whatever it is. Right. They're going to all. Help to hold their self-righteous positions, but none of them want to solve the fundamental issue, which is a fact: a bunch of multi-trillion-dollar companies have been destroying the environment, and they created this dialectic. Again, pointing out the surface
1: issue, uh, concealing the underlying endocrine disruption issue. So,
0: I uh, the it. destruction of people's entire endocrine systems. It's a, so they have done policies because all of these people on the stage and their friends got money from those companies. They go to parties with those companies. Everyone on that stage, I guarantee you, is one degree of freedom away from one of those big bio companies. And their wives or their friends or their closest uh, families have hung out with them, drunk with them, maybe even banged them, okay? They're all friends. They're not going to go after the enemy.
1: And they're drinking Pellegrino's. In Martha's Vineyard, eating raw organic foods, I'm sure. So let's move on. Right. Organic uh, foods, right? China is investing heavily in their tech companies. 280 billion every year on semiconductor research and and chip development. That is one chip there. That is one chip act per year. Okay. Doesn't going after companies like Google and Meta give China an edge?
0: Um. Look, uh, is this a question that came, or is it someone's question? For is, is this-
1: basically? I think it's uh, China is investing heavily in the semiconductor industry, and it basically it's saying that is one chip chip act per year doesn't going after companies like Google and Meta give China an edge. So you're saying if you're going after these big te- tech companies, is, is we this are going to be. Is,
0: is this a question at the GOP debate? Yes.
1: So yeah, we're going to be for, empowering.
0: For China, essentially another distraction. Again, again, they're creating a dialectic as though the U.S. elites and the Chinese elites are not wholly intertwined, okay? Um, Here's the bottom line, and I'll give you the, the, quote-unquote, the richest doofus in the world, Elon Musk. When he went to China, what did he do? He he gave a speech, and he goes, China and the United States are conjoined twins. That's what he said, quote-unquote, And he goes, we both hold the same values. When he said we, who's he talking about? He's not talking about the working people. He's talking about him and his 600 billionaires and the Chinese Communist Party's billionaires. Okay. so again, when they say we. So but he's telling you openly. That they are one unit, they're one swarm. All right. And furthermore. Um, every electric car that's made anywhere, you can trace back at least, you know, any one of the parts when you add it up, it's 98% of the electric cars that are made in the world are dependent on China. Okay? 98%. Either for some item that they need out of China. So the, the business people run these large manufacturing organizations are directly, wholly in alliance And they have to work with the Chinese Communist Party, okay, and their state capitalism efforts. So we have to take away the thing as though China, the Chinese elites and the U.S. elites are any different. They're one. okay. so that's the first thing everyone needs to understand, because if we don't understand that, whenever they say China and the U.S., you're going to think, oh, yes, we're fighting China. No, if anything, it's two gangsters having some minor differences in how they're going to carve up the world ultimately the Chinese working people and the US working people have the same enemies because both people are getting screwed in this process. And that's what people need to understand. And that's a fundamental Chris that we need to recognize that if no one profits from us warring with any of the working people of other, other countries, we're basically perpetuating the lie.
1: Absolutely. Again.
0: So, so meta and, Tesla or Twitter, in fact, have worked very closely with the British Empire and the Chinese government because the infrastructure that is now in place is a state capitalist infrastructure. Government tells social media companies what to do. The Communist Party tells the companies of China what to do. They're following, if anything, the Chinese model of state capitalism, of essentially fascism now
1: right and the wef has uh, world economic forum has rebranded it as public private partnerships which is just code for fascism in my opinion yep so let's move uh we actually uh missed one here it was more on the lgbtq plus so the the department of homeland security warns that violence against lgbt plus people is rising and intensifying According to a recent study, members of that community are nine times more likely to be victims of violent hate crime. As president, how would you protect this community from violent attacks and discriminations?
0: Yeah, I, I, I'd like to see all the statistics, you know? But I can tell you this, obviously, uh, crime, if people are causing violence, should not be supported, okay? And again, one of the best ways to stop violence, as has been shown repeatedly, is again going back to my central thesis that you have local militias. You know, the police force um, was there was never supposed to be a standing police force or standing army, right? All of this stuff was supposed to be decentralized to people. Um, and the more people get involved in security and protection, right? You become a much more uh, enlivened citizenry. So that's what we need to understand. The Second Amendment should be fully, um, you know, weaponized in many ways. In meaning every by the time you're in high school, you should learn how to you should actually be encouraged to own a firearm and be actually trained in the use of firearms. Those countries which have done that, there's very, very low crime. You prevent crime, in fact. So that's one way if we really care about crime, let's go to the heart of the solution, which we have, but it's just been controlled. Um, those in power actually like these hate crimes. Uh, the mob that you see, the, the organized crime family up there likes hate crimes because when they have hate crimes and they have violence, They use it as a basis to disarm people. They say, oh my God, we got to stop these hate crimes. And whenever they talk about hate crimes and safety, whenever they use those buzzwords, that means they're going to come with more regulatory framework, not to really help the victims of these hate crimes, be LBGTQ, they're going to use it as the ruse to impose some type of regulatory framework. So it creates fascism for more people. So if you really want to stop crime, support the second amendment and its execution at the local level, support local militias, support, um, you know, decentralization of the police force. That's how you stop crime, but you don't want to do that. What these people really want to do is they want to talk about crime in an ethereal sense or a crisis so they can use it for imposing more fascism on people.
1: I totally agree. And it is a fact. The only one who can stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. So a lot of people ignore that. Let's move on to this next question here. TikTok is banned on government-issued devices because of its ties to the Chinese government. Would you ban TikTok in the United States?
0: Well, what I would do is ban, what really needs to be banned is the cybersecurity infrastructure security agency, which is the one that created the infrastructure between government and these social media companies. This is, again, another stupid fucking question to take away from the real fundamental issue. Whether it's China watching us, we should recognize our own government. Can I interject real quick? Who signed CISA into law? Yeah. So CISA, everyone needs to realize, was signed into law by Donald J. Trump on November 16th, 2018. All right. The Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency. There's another CISA, which is not the Agency Act, that refers to a different program that was done by Obama. That's what we're not talking about. We're talking about the cybersecurity infrastructure security agency, which created the infrastructure to censor, surveil and silence U.S. citizens. That framework was used against me in my 2020 election campaign because I exposed the fraud of the election systems. And so that's what we really need to talk about. You see how they do TikTok, TikTok, TikTok. Let's talk about TikTok, China, TikTok. Oh, my God. Well, right under your nose is fucking Elon Musk, that fucker. Who goes to china and makes money with his alliances with china and says openly china and the united states are conjoined twins we have the same values he's talking about the same values of fascism and censorship which he is a government frontman too twitter should be you know not allowed because it is an arm of the government facebook should not be allowed and all of these entities you know as president i would you know, pass an executive order to destroy CISA, okay? And uncouple the government from these social media companies. And then the same day I would make sure all these social media companies were, become public infrastructures and put under the postal service. That's what should happen because they should become public communications infrastructures, which all of us own and cannot be controlled by the government at all. It's, it's by the people for the people.
1: Excellent answer.
0: So the real enemy is within. And, uh, yeah, I love t- what are t- right, you yeah. yeah. talking about TikTok? What about every day the government censors using Facebook? Every day the government censoring U.S. citizens, shadow banning people using fucking doofus Elon Musk and Twitter. What about that? Or I was just demonetized on YouTube because I started exposing the not-so-obvious establishment. And demonetization means censorship because m- my videos won't pop up elsewhere. That's done by a fucking company run by a doofus Indian, okay? Indians, by the way, from Amer- from India, are running many US companies, tech companies. And 99% of these Indians who run these tech companies don't give a fuck about the First Amendment. It's really interesting because they all come from British Commonwealth countries mm-hmm. who hate the First Amendment. And it is Indians in these companies. Right now on Twitter, some Indian doofus guy in Gurgaon, Delhi has been assigned to watch me and silence me. It's quite fascinating.
1: Yes, and, and when Elon says we, I'm sure he's talking about uh, Henry Kissinger is a big new Brzezinski and uh, other foreign policy uh, gremlins.
0: <laughs> yeah, when on. they say we, when they say us, you know, they and us, you really have to go into these pronouns. It is us versus them, but them is not U.S. versus China. It is the working people of the world versus the elites, the swarm. That's the us versus them. Don't let them bring you to some false unity behind them.
1: Absolutely. Let's move on here. Experts say Russian President Putin has ordered assassinations across Europe, cheated on arms control treaties and with the United States, and seeks to work with China to force our decline. President Reagan believed that in order to prevent war, you need to be ready to fight one. Today, Republican Party is at odds over aid to Ukraine. The price tag so far is $78 billion, but it, is, it but is it in our best interest to degrade Russia's military for less than 5% of what the military spends annually on defense, especially when there are no U.S. soldiers in the fight? This is a very Warhawk-leaning question. Go ahead,
0: tear it apart. Look, first of all, again, we got to take a big step backward. You have to look at the world in the modern world as a very small neighborhood. OK, so just step back. And the question, by the way, all these questions are re- done by the swarm to manipulate people. This entire debate is an organized crime syndicate theater that's taking place. And this question manifests that. So if you think about the world as a neighborhood, Chris, um, and you know how real estate developers working with organized crime will take one na- one sub block of that neighborhood, they'll pump in drugs, they'll pump in crime, they'll pump in prostitution. Even though it was a nice neighborhood, they'll drive down the property value and then they'll go in there and buy things for 10 cents on the dollar, okay? And then they'll build it up and then they'll flip it and they'll go do that to another neighborhood, okay? They keep doing this like hyenas, okay? Uh, Scavengers. Now look at the world. You have Russia, you have the United States, you have the BRICS countries, Brazil, Russia, India, China, right? So there was a period in human history where British imperialism, US imperialism ravaged India, right? Ravaged China, right? Ravaged Africa, right? And we basically pumped, we just destroyed, we just exploited these people brutally, and just stole all their stuff, okay? And built these economies from Britain to the US based on stolen stolen goods, right? So now, um, and remember, the elites over here, the trillionaires, are the ones who created BRICS. BRICS was a manifestation out of J.P. Morgan and Goldman Sachs. OK, so now they see, wow, these other countries may have a higher growth curve. Right. We could we've already bought low. We can put more capital in there. We're going to make more return on investment. OK, because they built all the homes. You see what I'm saying? Like a real estate developer. But we're going to pump drugs, crime, prostitution, quote unquote, into the United States. We're going to depress this economy. And Putin is all part of it. Let me tell you why Putin's part of it, this whole charade. If Putin was truly a patriot for Mother Russia, he would have gone in to Ukraine in 2013 and 14 when the United States executed the coup in the Maiden Color Revolution. He didn't do that. And Putin comes from Boris Yeltsin who is a puppet of the US, right? So all of this is done at a very high level to create theater. Putin is a thug, the United States is a thug. So what you're witnessing right now is that they're gonna depress the US economy and then large amounts of capital will be moved to the BRICS countries where they'll grow those economies, but they're all timing it. And Putin, if he's valuable, when a war is necessary he'll execute a war because that will help boost certain economies you see he's all part of it okay he's part of the crime syndicate so we can't be taking sides here you can do the analysis like i've done and you can show that indeed we put a nazi in power in ukraine in 2014 but putin is not like a principled guy you could argue potentially killed off for right because Prigozhin may have been truly a Russian nationalist who wanted to go in to Ukraine and fight against the Nazis. So in many ways, you could argue Putin himself doesn't have any real nationalist interest. He is part of the globalist enterprise and they're timing everything. You see, they got a big project plan, Chris. If you There's probably a big Gantt chart. Okay, we're gonna do this. We're gonna crash the US economy or they're gonna do this. They're gonna send money over here and then we'll come back and buy US assets. It's all part of a much larger trillion-dollar trillion dollar crime, organized crime syndicate, which Putin is part of. Again, I repeat, if Putin truly cared about Mother Russia, he would have been in Ukraine in 2014. That was the time to go in. Full justification, right? So we have to, again, step back and realize the questions that the mainstream media is asking these organized crime fools, doofuses on stage, is to really set the stage to create a fake dialectic, not for people to see this larger systems issue. And that is what our movement is doing singularly. And that is why a guy like me as president will, is educating more and more people. And this is why they're going desperate of the fact that we have nothing to gain by watching one crime boss shoot another crime boss. Let them fucking kill each other, what do we care?
1: All the world is a stage. And I. this is a topic I'm particularly interested in. I'm glad we have a few more follow-up questions uh, in this area. President Biden's first two years have brought China, Russia, and Iran closer together than ever. Are we focusing too much on Ukraine and not focusing enough on this threat from the new world order? What was that first part of that, Chris? Say it again. Uh, Biden's first two years brought China, Russia, and Iran closer together than ever. Are we focusing on Iran too much, or and not focusing enough on this threat from the new world order? They're actually, it's quoted. They actually use the phrase "new world new world order," which you know, as we as we all know, is a conspiracy. But now it's on the GOP uh, stage.
0: Right. So if I understand the question, they're saying, are we focused
1: on um, Ukraine too much rather than China, Russia and Iran coming
0: together? Right. But that is not the new world order. (laughs) Russia, China, uh, you know, and Iran is not the new world order. Right. The new world order is a swarm, which, you know, everyone should go watch a swarm video people's names who we do not know, but we can give you sort of the entities, you know, the 100 university presidents, hedge fund guys of global 2000 companies, right, Uh, Hollywood entertainment industry, um, all those kind of people, right, the central banks, it's a decentralized multiracial aristocracy. And that is truly the new world order. So when they're defining the new world order, Chris, right, by these people, you see what they're doing very cleverly? They're watching them. It's Fox News is part of the New World Order. CNN is part of, part of the, the swarm, okay? So, yes, the NWO is real, but they're taking this very important term, and that question is a limited hangout, yes. okay? It's a limited hangout of a term that the masses of people are awakening to. So this is what the establishment does when a new term comes that is really talking about the truth they then take over that term and redefine it and plagiarize it and give a, a limited version of it. The New World Order involves the Murdochs, right? Involves all of these people that we've talked about, including all those people. On, and in fact, the New World Order is all the people on GOP stage and the, per- the idiot who's asking them that question. Okay? So, and, and, and the New World Order, or the, it's really the Old World Order, with a new face to it, it's always existed. Um, There's no new world order, right? It just changes by different people who are part of it. Uh, The new world order, someone just put, um, chemical free body just put is the swarm. There you go, okay? Um, uh, James gets it, right? Um, That's who the new, Tim James gets it. So that's who the new world order is. The new world order is the swarm. So we need to first of all understand that this question again He is very cleverly redefining it to deflect it to a bunch of people who are just subsidiaries, one element of the swarm, okay?
1: Right, I think this is to pick the low-hanging fruit that like, oh, they're talking about this, the thing that my conspiracy friend, when meanwhile, if we take a step back, we can really see that the New World Order has one hand up, the glove of the Anglo American establishment and the other hand up the glove of China and Russia, and they're both fucking us all over. So
0: exactly. You nailed it, Chris. Exactly. Exactly. So anyone listening to, you know, the real debate, which is ours, a real educational program here, is recognizing how this entire debate is a sham, Chris. Every question is is architected to create a fake dialectic. So the working people listening to this organized crime syndicate chooses one wing or one thug in the establishment over another thug, but does not go to the root cause issue. Let's be honest. These questions are for children. Exactly. No, these aren't for children. Children are actually pretty bright. These questions are for retards. <laughs> oh, wow. I know that's politically incorrect, but who the fuck cares? That's who it's for. <laughs> I these love are it. fucking I love it. retards, these questions are created for retards. Children would probably spit on these questions. So let's not diminish children. You're you're right, let's not diminish children. Let's continue with the
1: GOP questions for retards debate. (laughs) The US and China are in this fierce economic competition. It's hurting American businesses and there is blowback against American farmers because China then targets them in in retaliation. How would you, as president, protect American farmers and ranchers from that kind of retaliation from a foreign government like China? Another nonsense, retard question.
0: Right. It's another retard question because the reality is the U.S. government and the elites have been destroying American farmers. Let's give an example. Monsanto has single-handedly destroyed most American farmers, right? The big ag companies have single-handedly destroyed American farmers way before China. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay the politicians in Congress have single-handedly destroyed American farmers. There used to be many, many small family farms, okay? They started creating policies to make sure that many farms were forced to buy genetically engineered seeds. They created laws that allowed the patenting of seeds, okay? So if Monsanto created a genetic engineered seed and it fell on an organic farmer, small farmer's farm, that farmer started having to pay licensing rights to what occurred and fines and fees. So let's really talk about who the real criminals are here. The real criminals are all the guys on the debate stage and the person asking the question, okay? Because they know that they are purposely misdirecting the criminal to somebody else. The criminals are um, all those people in Congress, all the lobbyists who destroyed many, many farms in the United Mm -hmm. States. And it really started in the 1980s, all right? And now you have the consolidation of mass factory farms. You don't get food that's really, I mean, you eat a chicken today. God knows what the chicken is eating. God knows even if it's a chicken. Have you seen any of these chickens? They look mutated lizards, okay? Really, they don't even look like animals. And, and you know, 40, 50% of the cows in the United States all have cancer, right? So you go looking at all this stuff. The They've destroyed, you don't need China to destroy it. We've destroyed it, and now you want to blame China for it, you know? So China's just sitting back and watching this nonsense, and they're just going to buy stuff cheap on the dollar because we've destroyed these farms. The real solution to this is us again. Again, come every day, 11 a.m., or you can come at 8 p.m. Every, you know, tomorrow we have Thursday, and we will teach you how we get the environment we need. We will teach you how we protect farmers. And that is each one of you, fuck the government, start supporting your local farmers in your local neighborhoods, right? I mean, even many of these farms now, we were getting turkey from a local farm here. And then I, I said, you know, what do you feed your turkey? Turns out they're feeding them GMO soy. I'm like, oh, okay. So, because you know, my dogs are very sensitive, you know, cause I, we go get them meat and food. We, I, we make them our own food. And I could see our dogs were smelling the food and they didn't like it. Mm. And remember, what you, you are what you eat. So if a chicken or a turkey's eating these foods, which, which cause inflammation, you are getting those inflammatory markers, okay? So it's really crazy because they've in fact infiltrated local farms now. So the GMO um, seeds, the GMO feed is even going to your local farms, who you think are running your local small farms. So you have to ask these people, what feed are they giving their animals? Now we train people on this, right? You almost have to go back and recognize this is a systemic issue that's gone end to end. And you don't need China to blame China for this. This has been done by the American elites upon the American people. So that's what's really going on. Yes,
1: I I think you rightly pointed out, we need to point the finger back at us and it's our responsibility to know where our food come from comes from, and it's important to uh, support our local farmers that do uh, have regenerative farming practices that do know about healthy microbiome in the soil that do feed their animals right, uh, so that we can get good, clean foods. And when you when you pull your money out of uh, purchasing things from Walmart or these big, uh, you know, huge uh, food companies that just is a whole, whole bunch of garbage nonsense in the food, you're supporting your local community. and and you're being resilient from any uh, economic bullshit that might come from the next pandemic or whatever. And you know you have a direct relationship with your farmer. So I agree, it's not China's problem, it's our problem.
0: Yeah, remember what the elites always do. This is classic. Whenever they have internal problems and people start awakening up to them, they literally start pointing somewhere else. That's when they go start a war. When people start to awaken from within, they start a war externally. They point to other enemies. Classic fascist control. Okay. It's a classic technique of fascism. Whenever the masses rise up and start bringing the pitchforks to the real enemies, the enemy of the people will start pointing the finger at someone else. And that's what this whole GOP debate is. This entire GOP debate is a bunch of organized criminals who are trying to manipulate all the viewers on the st- who are watching this so they can distract attention from them. And on top of it, so we don't build a bottoms up movement, our campaign. And by the way, anyone listening, if you like what you're hearing, simple, go to shiva shiva numeral four president.com and every one of us works hard. So we make, we made it easy for you to be an activist, go get one of these flyers and literally stick it on the back windshield of your car, the back windshield, a hundred thousand people will see it per day. Okay. And the other thing is, we, our movement, my presidency, is about education, education, education. It is the only revolution is education. So what can you do? Very simple. Go to shivaforpresident.com. And this is about you. Our movement is about you. Go to shivaforpresident.com. And on this website, you can go to the shop. You know, you can get the bumper stickers. But you can also go to the free download section. I want all of you to bookmark this and download this flyer. This flyer, as you know, Chris, points to the real problem. All those idiots, the organized crime syndicate, is killing your children. And look at this graph. And this is from one of the biggest health um, insurance companies. Over the last 70 years, the life expectancy of your child and you has been going down. And so will the rest of the world. And this is brought to you by the swarm. All of those people on the debate stage are responsible for this. Every single one of them, every academic, every Hollywood celebrity is responsible for this. And no one is talking about this except me. And the reason I'm talking about it, Chris, as you know, is we're from bottoms up, right? You know, people dying, children dying matters to this because there's one of us. So everyone needs to get their head way out of their ass and recognize this entire GOP debate is a fucking retarded clown show to distract people from building a bottoms up movement. That's all it is.
1: Absolutely. Let's keep these uh, crazy questions going. Have a few more left here. Mexico's president called those who support sending America's military into the country scoundrels. Mexico is America's most important partner on trade and border security. How would you work with Mexico in dealing with the cartel problem on the
0: Southern border? Say that again. He said the Mexico president's calling who scoundrels?
1: Uh, I believe the last debate people were asked if they support sending military troops into Mexico. And in response to that, Mexico's president said the, those Americans who support that, he called them scoundrels. I agree. It's, it's a totally asinine thing to think we're going to send the American military into Mexico. But basically how would you work with
0: the Mexican? Uh, well, president? Well, First of all, Chris, you see, everything is some other country's fault. OK, some other country created this problem, right? We have to understand the long history of the elites U.S. imperialism, which essentially took over Mexican land. <laughs> right. Let's yeah. I mean, let's be honest. We, most of California is stolen land from um, other people. Right. So this is just it's like, you know, the imperialist invading other places. Right. Uh, nonetheless, uh, the reality here is that. The drug, again, I'll probably do redo that whole video. The organized drug cartel, whether it be Mexico or the United States, is closely linked to the legal organized crime families that are up on that stage. Yeah, let just, just go back to fundamentals. All right, again, a question that's not going at the root issue. When they talk about the drug cartel, right, that's sending people over the border, right, this is by design. All right, the amount of surveillance equipment we have, we got all these Starlink satellites. We can look at 1983, a friend of mine at MIT, 1983 was working for a company and he was an optical engineer. He was developing lenses that could see from up in space, a dime, a dime on the street, a dime. And he showed me a picture of it. That's in 1983. We have so much surveillance stuff, we could watch everything with a little screen with probably five people can do this. So you're telling me they don't know who's coming across the border. They can track everything. So everyone who's coming across the border, who's there, they know all of it. So let's not be stupid idiots. So the entire movement of people is known. It is allowed by design because the organized crime syndicate known as a U.S. government works with the organized drug cartels, okay? One is just called illegal and the other is legal. Cool. The so, drugs
1: come up and the arms go down. And uh, this is all exposed in Fast and the Furious uh, during the Barack Obama administration where uh, they were caught uh, selling uh, military weapons to the cartel.
0: Yeah, and this has been going on since the Iran-Contra incident, right? Oh yeah. The, the, and the CIA, so we have to go back and understand this fundamental issue. We're dealing with organized crime, okay? That's what we're dealing with. So everyone, again, on that debate stage is an or, is part of an organized crime family. Anything that they say, they are doing theater so they could continue their organized crime, so they could keep the masses thinking one of those fools, you know, whoever's a better car salesman. The, the reason this debate is going on, Chris, it's it's a beauty pageant. It's a car. It's, it's who could be the better slick car salesman pageant. That's what they should call it. Who could better bullshit people so the organized criminals can say, yeah, hey, we got XYZ in there. They have all the freaking masses thinking this guy's fighting for them. That's all. So they can continue doing business as usual.
1: Ugliest beauty pageant, if you ask me.
0: Well, that's uh, what Gore uh, Vidal one of the guys who won the literature, Nobel Prize in literature, I think, Gore Vidal, said the only difference between Hollywood and, and this political thing that you're seeing up there is um, just more, you know, more uglier people. That's all.
1: Absolutely. Completely agree. Move on here to the next question. In the 2000 presidential debates, neither George Bush nor Al Gore were asked about Al Qaeda. Yet just one year later, Al-Qaeda's attack on September 11th claimed nearly 3,000 lives. And the farther we get from September 11th, the closer we are to September 10th. I'm thinking they're saying we're we're on a precipice of another event. So what has prepared you as president to protect the country from a major man-made national security crisis? Interesting. They are stoking the flames of fear in the hearts of the people.
0: Yeah, I'm not really sure what this question is about. They're, but they're saying we're
1: moving closer to a pre-9-11 world. And they're basically saying, what what, what are you prepared to do uh, to protect our country from a major national security event? So they're basically queuing us up for another 9-11.
0: Right. So we have to recognize, look, when you look at 9-11, right, again, um, we have to understand what was the outcome of 9-11, who profited from 9-11. You know, one of my students, when I was teaching a course called Systems Visualization, he and I did a very cool project together as a research project. We looked at 9-11, you know, if you think about the two buildings as a marker, and you look at the point before 9-11 and after 9-11. It's fascinating. And we do some very interesting graphs. There were hundreds of bills in Congress, prior to 9-11 for the years preceding that, like the Patriot Act, Surveillance Act, okay?
1: Authored by Joe Biden.
0: Yes, authored by Joe Biden. And none of those acts were moving. They weren't even making it, you know, on the ledger for Congress, right? Uh, Heroin sales, very interesting number, was way down. It had plummeted before 9-11, okay? There's many, many interesting data like this, right? After 9-11, heroin sales explode. The number of bills that get passed in Congress to surveil US citizens, frankly, explode. Um, And there were many, many surveillance companies. Cybersecurity explodes, okay? The industry, companies like Raytheon, all the defense companies move into the cybersecurity market. So when you put this together, um, 9-11 was very profitable. But the most important strategic thing 9-11 resulted in was to build the biggest Um, military base in the Middle East, in Iraq, because we went and pointed the finger at Saddam Hussein. And that plan to build the largest military base in Iraq was hatched almost 20 years ago. It was one of the core plans of the Organized Crime Syndicate, aka the swarm, aka the US elites, okay? It was done many, many years ago. So they needed 9-11, to execute on that plan. And that plan also served a lot of important Zionist interests, okay? Um, And that's why it's so disgusting, that robot, I call her, that fucking dumb robot known as Tulsi Gabbard, okay? Who's, by the way, a Lieutenant Colonel in one of the Psychological Operations Unit. That's what she does. She's a PSYOP unit head, Tulsi Gabbard. You can look it up. And when you hear her talk at the recent 9-11, memorial, she was saying, oh, how the Islamists did it, how she's joined the military uh, for this. And then she speaks with that in one word. And then she says she's against the military industrial complex. She is the military industrial complex, Chris. So we need to recognize that these people love these crises. They create these crises and they telegraph these crises. Right. And that's perhaps what this question is about telegraph a crisis to get people um, sort of desensitized to it. So when it occurs, they can say, they can, you know, go with the flow. So they'll do another escalation of some other um, fascist, you know, uh, state. Model. Absolutely. You know? Some, some call that predictive programming.
1: And I find it curious that they leave out the fact of the history of Al-Qaeda uh, being uh, born out of the Mujahideen, which we funded during the Cold War. Right. They're the reason why they have all the weapons and uh, it, basically why they have all of, all of that military might. And then let's not forget uh, the memo leaked by General Wesley Clark. That uh, it was a classified memo that stating the U.S. planned to evade seven countries in five years, Iraq, Syria, Lebanon, Libya, Somalia, Sudan and Iran. And if you look at that list, how many of the countries have we already invaded, toppled, uh, very few of them remain.
0: Well, we've stolen. I mean, we steal Syria's oil. We just literally go and take it. <laughs> we just steal these people's oil. We steal their resources and we do whatever the fuck we and want. And that was
1: the problem with Trump because Trump would just come out, right, in live television and say, we go and we take the oil. And they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> Don't say that. Trump's, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, let's, let's continue here. We got a few more. In California, yeah. gas is nearly, speaking of oil, gas yeah, Chris, is nearly have they already six asked, Have they already asked all these debate questions? Yes, we we're, we're wrapping that. up the final few questions here.
0: Okay, great. Uh,
1: yeah, so speaking of oil, gas is nearing $6 a gallon in California. Oil is nearing $100 a barrel again. How would you bring down prices without immediately drilling?
0: Well, let's let's talk about these prices, right? Um. We have to understand how the economy works, right? Uh, price um, is directly uh, inverse to volatility, okay? And this is basic, basic, classic uh, macroeconomics, right? So when you create a very, very volatile, uncertain economic environment, price is going to go up, and that's what's happening, okay? In everything, all right? It's not only in oil. I mean, go go look at the price of eggs, go look at the price of food. It places has doubled in certain categories, right? So let's not just focus on oil. Let's look at much more broadly. We've created a very, very uncertain economic situation. We've printed, uh, you know, $33 trillion in debt. Trump printed 8 trillion in one term. Obama printed 8 trillion in two terms, right? So when you print money, you have to, uh, it's called modern monetary theory. So modern monetary theory, which is a theory is based on this concept. As long as you're the reserve currency, You can print as much money as you want, as long as you can control inflation. So they have printed a shitload of money and that shitload of money went into the stock market, which went into people like Jared Kushner and Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and all of Trump's friends, 600 billionaires and Biden's friends and the Clinton's friends, all these guys made a ton of money. Now, working people have to suffer the brunt of it, which is inflation. So it's not, let's not just put it oil. It's all goods have gone up in value, right? All price. And this is a result of a a process called quantitative easing. And this is when you have a situation where you've created an economy that tells kids that it's okay not to know what one plus one is. So no one has to create anything. This is what happens when you make heroes of people like Elon Musk, who's never created anything. Um, And this is a long part of the systemic problem. So in order to, for this economy to have, quote unquote, value, they just print money. And initially money used to be backed by gold. Then it was backed by the petrodollar. Now it's not backed by anything except nuclear weapons and military might. And that's how the U.S. maintains its reserve currency. So without war, the U.S. cannot have reserve currency status. And with reserve currency status, the U.S. can print. But printing means you have to control inflation. And clearly they can't control inflation. So that's, that's the real answer, Chris, it's not just gas, it's all prices are going up everywhere for average working people. But the elites are making out like bandits.
1: Yes, and one could argue that it's uh, convenient for them to have this economic turmoil and chaos, which you know, leads us into more of a fear state mind. So we just, we accept these uh, bullshitters up on stage. So let's uh, move yeah. no, on.
0: Yeah, Justin Grimes says half of the gas price in California is the California gas tax. Okay. (laughs) So that's something important to remember. Good, That's a good point. Yeah.
1: Thank you for that, Justin. Move on here. The the Biden administration is hell-bent on student loan forgiveness. Ron DeSantis says college students should be on the hook when graduates can't pay back their debt. How would you address the high and rising costs of higher education? I already know the answer to this one, but... Tear it apart.
0: Yeah, I did an entire video on this again. I, t- I did a systems video. Let's just talk about it, the, the fundamentals of education. In the old days, um, you went to get an education to actually learn a skill so you could have a job. <laughs> That's not a whole <novel laughs> concept today. It sounds really simple. You know, My mom went to be, got a math degree so she could teach math and so she could make money. My dad went to learn chemical engineering so he could work as a chemical engineer and make money and have a decent life. That was why you went and got education. Somewhere along the way, something got separated. You went to college to go to college, to go to college to get a college degree. End of story. Okay. And in that process, um, the goal was you would make, you know, you wouldn't be in debt. You would right away start a job, right? Or something. But now what happened is college became an industry unto itself. And so people go, instead of paying something nominal for college, you went and go get a student loan to go to college. Now it's actually should not be called a student loan. It's actually, because you don't get the loan. So you go take out a $100,000 loan. Where does the money go? It goes to the college. You never see the money. Now Mm -hmm. what does the college do with that? $100,000 $100,000 loan. They take your money and they put it into what's called the stock market, into an endowment. And that endowment keeps growing. Go look at Harvard's endowment. By the way, Harvard pays no taxes. They talk about everyone else should be taxed, but they pay no taxes in Cambridge. Okay, very little, if anything, okay? And those ta- and so they take all that money and they hire, you know, uh, 20, $30 million a year um, investment professionals who take your tuition and they invest it in the stock market and they get to k- take 20% of the proceeds of the thing. that So it's a racket. So you leave college and you have a hundred, two $200,000 loan on your head. And if you took something like, you know, um, studies on how to change my gender or how, uh, why butterflies, sh- uh, should ha- have better mating partners, or some crazy shit you learned. Okay. Cause some idiot told you to go study something that's very interesting. So you're getting out of college with a useless degree and a $200,000 loan. That's what's happening to you right now. Instead, so no one is advising these kids, hey, why don't you study something hard? Yeah, if you wanna learn about why butterflies mate, good, do, do that on your own fucking time, okay? But you know, learn how to build something, learn this or learn that, right? They're not learning any of that. They're leaving with huge loans with no degrees, with no knowledge, with, with a degree, but with no real wisdom, And if anything, negative education. Okay. And that's what's going on. Meanwhile, the colleges are making out like bandits. So, what's my solution? Well, when you go to a college, the college should be the cosigner of your loan. Mm. They should sign the loan. They should say, okay, Johnny here is going to go to Harvard or wherever or some college, and the college should be the cosigner. So, if Johnny goes bankrupt, guess what? you are going to pay for his bankruptcy now if that happened the college is going to be very incentivized to make sure johnny gets a real degree is he actually get because if i'm investing in someone i'm going to make sure am i going to get my return on investment okay you know um that's a very simple solution it's a brilliant solution i think isn't it can Can i solve you right there that's probably the best
1: solution i've ever heard for this problem ever Like that's an amazing solution, incredible solution. I love it.
0: Yeah. So you have the colleges co-sign the loans. So college, because the college is using your, they're getting the loan money and they're making more money on it. And the kid gets out with a stupid degree. They're, they're complete. There's no liability on them at all. So who's benefiting from this, a college. And if you look at Harvard's endowment, it has grown year over year over year, right? For example, you know, so. Um, that's what's going on, right? So college endowments um, have grown year over year, right? And the, and, and the students' $100,000 loan, as you know, Chris, that the interest on that keeps growing over and over and over, right? And that's what's going on, right? Um, and it's quite extraordinary that this is happening, right? And I can give you, for example, the actual, um, I'll give you a graph, which is the... Um, uh, Harvard endowment, how it's grown. Okay. And you can see it right here. Let me show it to you. And this is what people need to understand. So if you look at this graph right here, this is the, uh, Harvard Harvard university, which pays no taxes. I hope you can see that. Okay. So that is how their, um, endowment has grown. Okay. So Harvard university pays no taxes. They displace all the neighborhoods in Cambridge driving people out of their homes. So they get, they don't have to pay any taxes. And then they get all this tuition money, which is college. So one hand feeds the other, right? The college loan syndicate, crime syndicate feeds the Harvard crime syndicate. So there you go. This is what we're talking about. This is crime.
1: Uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. I, I, Yeah, and I think there's also an underlying point that we, we wanna mention too. Uh, a lot of the soaring costs in colleges, uh, started when the federal government took over federal uh, federal student loans they they literally started subsidizing these college uh, loans programs and then incentivizing these kids to 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 take out these huge loans before they even know what they want to even do so it's it's just another everybody's hands in the pot and yeah and
0: that, the other thing part of this is you know after you come out of high school um, i really believe people do some type of service Military, something, uh, go work in a vo-tech school, go get a job. Because a 17 year old doesn't know what the fuck they want to do. I'm sorry. Okay. It's like the best students I had at MIT were people who were in the military who took two years off and they would come to class to study. Mm-hmm. Their homeworks were done. They were serious. The other students thought I should just give them an A because they just showed up to class or never even showed up. Right. So the quality of exchange between the professor and the students is also going down and, you know, God knows how many, you know, anyway, it's, 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 this is a real solution. The colleges should be enmeshed in the financial condition of that student. So they're going to be, have skin in the game to make sure that student actually does well, you know?
1: Totally agree. I love that solution. So we got five left here. The national debt has nearly doubled in Senator Scott's time in office. The approval rate for Congress is only 19 percent. If this were a business, everyone on the state in the state would probably all be fired. Why should you be promoted to CEO over, of the nation to oversee these other candidates?
0: Well I over- think people I, I think the I'm going to answer this very simply. Every company I've run, I've started with nothing, Chris. Nothing, zero. And I made them profitable companies, you see? Resourceful companies. I never even took other people's money, very, very rarely, very little if I needed it. So the ability to make something out of nothing shows sort of the real American mindset, which is being resourceful. These guys are just about making money from other people, flipping companies, moving capital around, and Vivek the Snake is an ideal example of a fucking bullshitter. So everyone just needs to look at my history and what I've created from nothing, thousands of jobs I've created and what I've done, you know, without begging to others. We didn't take government loans, we didn't take government grants. We did it bottoms up through a lot of resourcefulness. You know, the first company I started, Arts Online, I had no money. I went to the mayor of Cambridge, you know, I did a deal with him. I said, I will give you internet access in return, you give me some building space. It was a barter. We gave him stuff. And then with that, we built um, we started helping artists go online. Right. We um, we I went to Digital Equipment Corporation. I offered them advertising one of the first arts online sites. They gave me a free server. I built the entire company without money, just with labor, labor and good, good value exchange deals. You can do a lot with labor. Labor is more powerful than capital. That's called resourcefulness. Making something out of nothing.
1: So where does the biggest budget cut, in your opinion, lie?
0: It, the biggest budget cut?
1: Yeah. Uh, where, the,
0: government, the government itself and the military industrial complex. Look, um, every one of these congresspeople, none of them it should be a service-oriented job. Why are they getting pensions and all this? The biggest budget cut should be the Congress people themselves. They should So let me let me give you an example. One of the things that should happen is a president should be an eight year, one term presidency. Right. Senators should be eight year, one term thing. And the uh, Congress House should be uh, four years and you're done. So it's not just about limiting term. It's just one term and everything should be synced. Everything starts at the same term and goes and you're done. You see, that way you do the right things right now. The government is inflated everything is infl- it's like you have a big company and you have a lot of headcount it's like IBM I, I used to say I could randomly fire a random person at IBM randomly a CEO and I would see an overnight increasing profitability because you don't even know what most of these people are doing.
1: So this is Steve Jobs coming into Apple and firing seventy five percent I could
0: have I could have my dog do this. I could <laughs> I could I could just put a bunch of people's names. I like, could they just Geronimo just select randomly people, fire them, and things would still run normally, guaranteed. You don't even need you, you, you don't even need intelligence to do this, because the whole thing is ridiculous. Because everyone in there is based on some favors, some uh, you know nepotism. The whole thing is bloated. I could hear somebody crying about the roads right now, but well, let's keep
1: going here. Big government keeps getting bigger. One fifth of all new jobs created this year were all government jobs. It has been a century since any president has decreased the size of government. How would you be any different? I think we just kind of covered this a little bit.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think we just covered it very simply put. um, You know, our entire movement is right now solving these problems. Again, to the person listening, please come to our town halls because when you come to our town halls, Chris, as you know, we do a six-part town hall series, healthcare, education, environment, governance, innovation, and economy. And at those town halls, we're actually giving people tools so they get empowered here and now. So you don't need government, right? So that's already happening. Now, being president, we'll just use the bully pulpit of the presidency to reach a lot more people. So we already have the solutions. We're already implementing the solutions on a one-on-one individual level. Next. For sure. This election could come down to
1: less than 50,000 votes in three states. Abortion was on the ballot in six states in 2022. Republicans lost all of them. Next year, abortion will likely be on the ballot in Arizona. How are you going to win over independent pro-choice voters in Arizona?
0: Well, look, uh, this issue of abortion, first of all, um, was always supposed to be done at the state level. Okay, period. So whatever the states want to do, it's up to them. But more importantly, we need to define what pro-choice and pro-life is. Um, And this is a very important discussion. The pro-life evangelical people, they consider plural life is at the gateway when something or, uh, you know, life comes out of the womb. Okay, up until that point, they're all pro-life. But after the life comes out of the womb, they don't seem to give a damn. Once the life is out, they don't care if the kid becomes doesn't have any infrastructure, can't get a job, you know, is is uh, uh, eating poisonous foods, you know, garbage, right? So most of these evangelical Christians were so into pro-life, really are not into pro-life because they won't fight for all those other issues, okay? Because many of the evangelical Christians have supported Monsanto candidates, have supported candidates who supported the poisoning of the environment and so on, okay? Have supported candidates who've promoted income inequality, which has devastated this life that comes out. So if you're gonna be pro-life, my point is be pro-life all the way. Don't be half-assed pro-life until zero, you know, T equals zero plus, right? When the baby comes out of the womb. 100% agree. Right, so let's, if we're gonna talk about pro-life, let's really get pro-life, right? Let's not do this bullshit pro-life.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I think people need to do some soul search in there and really look within themselves and uh, ask themselves, do those swamp creatures reflect the tr- the person that you are or, or do you align more with uh, someone like uh, Dr. Shiva who represents people that are bottoms up, so.
0: Yeah, and I, th- I think this is also an issue. Uh, someone just said this and they, yeah, abortion ultimately becomes a dog whistle issue to separate people, right? It's not like these pro-life people really for bringing life people together. It's just about trying to act like they're self-righteous over something, you know? Obviously, as a biologist, life does begin at conception. This is just a fact. There's over a hundred papers written on this, but the pro-life people aren't really pro-life in my view. Agreed. So you got two more,
1: the latest Univision voters found that 73% of Latino voters think that the Republican Party doesn't care about them, or is outright hostile to the Hispanic community. Only Ron DeSantis has translated his campaign into Spanish. How would you reach uh, out to Latino voters?
0: Well, first of all, you know, our flyer is in Spanish, people can get our flyer in Spanish, our website is in different languages, you know, so And I actually speak Spanish, okay? So I can speak Spanish, you know, people want to talk in Spanish. The more important thing is um, the Hispanic community is an immigrant community, right? They've contributed, um, they do a lot of jobs in the United States that other communities uh, do not want to do, right? They're hardworking people. And I, I think the Republicans who are really seen as the party of Wall Street, right, have seen, the Hispanic voter base is essentially cheap labor and the Democrat voter base uh, treats the Hispanic, you know, quote unquote Hispanic voter base as someone potentially for um, votes, right? So both wings of the establishment essentially exploiting the Hispanic voter base. The fundamental issue is that uh, many Hispanics do represent a lot of American values, you know, hard work, resourcefulness, family, all these things. Um, but, um, you know, our movement, Truth, Freedom, Health, is a perfect enlightenment, alignment with Hispanic, you know, people in my view, right? Hardworking people who care about their health of their families, uh, who came to America because they actually value freedom. Unlike many other people living here who've forgotten the values of that, if you talk to many Hispanics, the reason they left their countries and came here was one of the biggest issues is freedom. So I think most Hispanics will find a lot more alignment with what we stand for than either one of the wings of the establishment, which essentially exploits the Hispanic voter base.
1: Absolutely, I completely agree. Uh, I, I know we love and appreciate people of all backgrounds and uh, we are united against a common enemy. So let's move on to the final question of the second GOP retard question debate. If every candidate on the stage remains in the race, President Trump will win the Republican nomination. Who on that stage should be voted off the island first? Look at this! Look at how they, they this clown show question. They're bringing in uh, what's the what's the show? Where you the, vote the get big, voted off the island?
0: The biggest uh, loser that waits. Yeah, something
1: Trump. like that. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. What do you think? Which. Which one of those clowns should go off the stage? All of them, obviously, but which one would you start with? Knock them down.
0: Well, I I really, you know, this is such a stupid question. I'm not really going to, I don't really want to even answer it, you know? Um, but um, I think if you wanted to rephrase that question to say, who's the biggest scumbag out there? Who's the biggest bullshitter, right? Um, it's uh it's, it's. It's probably Vivek the Snake, right? Because he's really the biggest scumbag of them all, in my view. He's the media
1: yeah. darling.
0: Well, he gets a lot of, he's being pushed a lot because of our campaign. And this it's just, I've heard this over and over again. Uh, the sloganeering is literally stolen from our campaign. But he's a used car salesman, right? So I think just out of disgust, you know, of the insulting behavior that he thinks people are, You know, the chameleon, he says one thing, does another, says one thing, flip-flops. You know, he says he's against affirmative action, yet he took a loan. Yeah, I'm sorry, got a a Soros scholarship for Mm -hmm. as affirmative action, right? And you can go down the list. He says he is for climate change before the last debate. and, And during the debate, he said he's against climate change. This guy just speaks with both sides of his mouth. So if you want to give any legitimacy to anything this party is doing, the first one they should ax or throw in a boxing ring with me is him, right? Or just send him to Newark, New Jersey, and let him walk the streets and talk his shit, and people will know how to take care of him, okay? But that's what I think needs to be done. It's just so disgusting.
1: It is disgusting. And with that, we wrap the second GOP debate. Dr. Shiva, it was a pleasure uh, and an honor speaking with you tonight. I enjoyed all of your uh, colorful answers to these garbage ass questions. So, and I look forward to doing it again with you.
0: Yeah. And as we close, everyone listening, we, we have quite a number of people staying 300 people. Everyone, go get these bumper stickers. Do that today. You know, if you support what we're doing, Shiva for President.com, um, go to Shiva for President.com, donate if you want. I'm not into asking for money, but by the way, if you donate to us, I give you gifts, I give you courses, I uh, we raise your consciousness, but download that flyer and hand it out to your friends. And perhaps, um, and uh, Chris, before we go, uh, I'd like to play our, uh, our uh, you know, Shiva for president um, uh, video.
1: Absolutely.
0: So thanks everyone, be well, be the light. Thanks, Chris, it'll play and I'll just check out if you wanna go, it's cool. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for everything. Chris, by the way, a, a big hand to Chris Bradley, who did a wonderful job in anchoring this today uh, with keeping this flowing, a uh, good commentary and questions. Thanks, Chris, phenomenal. All right, thank you. Good night, everyone. Who would have ever thought I'd be running for president of the United States of America? I was born a low caste, untouchable in India's caste system, a system of aristocracy, oppression, and racism. My name is Dr. Shiva Ayadure. I'm an MIT PhD, a Fulbright scholar, A scientist, engineer, entrepreneur, and inventor. My family and I left India to come to America on my seventh birthday. I grew up in the working-class neighborhoods of New Jersey, playing baseball, mowing lawns, painting houses, and coding software. My friends and neighbors are Blacks, Italians, Irish, people of all races. As a 14-year-old, I wrote 50,000 lines of software code to create the world's first email system and was awarded the first U.S. copyright for email, recognizing me as its official inventor at a time when copyright was the only way to protect software inventions. I did that long before I ever came to MIT, revealing that big innovations can occur anytime, anyplace by anybody. Growing up I saw politicians dividing us by race and religion in both America and India to have us fighting each other while they remained safe in their gated communities and in their playgrounds of Hollywood, Martha's Vineyard and Silicon Valley. I'm a fighter, I fought racism and exposed their imperialist wars, fought for workers and put my life on the line against global corruption. I never wanted to run for political office. All that changed when I saw working Americans as never before being duped by the establishment and the not-so-obvious establishment. Across left and right, we were being sold out and made to forget why we came to America and why America existed lawyers, academics, billionaires, celebrities and politicians, elites, Clintons, Kennedys, Bidens, Obamas, Bushes, black and white have hijacked America, they've printed trillions for their friends, they delivered crumbling infrastructure, corruption and racism, they've transferred trillions to themselves, dividing black and white, fear-mongering and fake science, lockdowns and censorship, dirty air, food and water, pushing drugs upon us, making us sicker, we've been sold out. One set of rules for them and another for us we deserve a warrior with a history of courage in putting everything on the line for you who believes in you not them who has created a movement bottoms up for truth freedom health i've exposed their lies at the right time never waiting until it was popular i've exposed their false gods who exist to lead you back to them. I've exposed their fake signs of lockdowns and masking and provided you solutions to fight them and win and protect your immune system, saving millions. I expose Fauci, galvanize the fire Fauci campaign when others remain silent. When they stole our election, we sued the government and Twitter in our historic 2020 federal lawsuit, exposing in bare view the government and big tech censorship infrastructure, the unholy alliance between government and social media companies. Where was Elon and his grifters? They stood by the sidelines and did nothing. They did not use their megaphones to help us when it could have made a big difference. Now our movement grows for truth, freedom, health, independent of all of them. Every day millions are learning the science of systems, the knowledge the elites do not want you to have. So you may learn how to think, stand up and fight, independent of the establishment of left and right and their fake heroes. Now it's time for you to join the movement, to win back America, to win back truth, win back freedom, win back your health. That's why I'm running for President of the United States. This race is about you. This race is about truth, freedom, health versus power, profit, control. We've had enough. They think we'll fall in line and vote again for their lawyers, celebrities, billionaires and chosen ones from above. We choose our heroes from below, from the rank and file, who do what is right at the right time, not when it's convenient and popular. They can never represent us. What America needs is a movement by the working people, for the working people. Or educated, organized, decentralized, and fight for independence from their systems of control. And that movement exists. It's ready for you. We don't need them. We need us to go bottoms up, neighbor to neighbor. My journey, your journey, are all the same. It's our time. It's time we had one of us. It's time to win back Truth, Freedom, Health. To win back America. Be part of this historic movement, all the way to our victory on November 5th, 2024. If you're an American citizen, pledge your vote now for Dr. Shiva Durey, the independent candidate for U.S. president. No matter where you live, you can be a part of this. Volunteer as little as 20 minutes a day. Don't delay. This is Dr. Shiva Durey and I approve this message paid for by Dr. Shiva for president. All right, everyone, I hope that was valuable. Once again, I wanna thank Chris Bradley Go to Shiva for president, get one of these bumper stickers. It's a very simple thing everyone can do. Go to Shiva for president, support the campaign, volunteer, volunteer, volunteer. We need to get on the ballot in every state and all of you can be part of that. So we've created a lot of ways all of you can get involved in small and large ways. Thank you everyone. I also want to thank uh, John Medlar this evening.